0: a fan. I like the play. No dickity, no doubt. Play on, play it. Play on, play it. Yo, Trey drop the verse. It's going down, face of black street.
1: The homies got at me, collab creations, bump like agony, no doubt. I put it down, never slouch. As long as my credit can vouch, that dog couldn't catch me. Stop with Dre making moves, attracting money's like a magnet, giving them igasms with my mellow accent. Still moving this flavor with the homies Black Street and Teddy, the original rough shakers.
2: Strictly this you don't and no doubt. Happy Thursday. It is Nordo in for P.A. P.A. returns on Monday as we make our way closer and closer to Minnesota Vikings training camp. Kicking off a week from tomorrow at Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center down Eganway. Joe Perovich in producing for me this morning. Thanks for of course. No problem. But I woke up this morning. I checked my messages. I checked my emails. The texts. Hopped on the laptop The Twins Have still not made moves To bolster their pitching,
3: Whoa. pitching. Whoa.
2: I said it yesterday The uh, The 9 to noon show We love countdowns We adore them They're fun And it is at 13 days so it's eight days to Vikings training camp and 13 days until the Major League Baseball deadline. It doesn't appear that Noah Sindergaard or Jacob DeGrom will be staying here in Minnesota, or my guy Seth Lugo. It does appear, however, Trevor May is having a bad week. 0-2 coming. And he lofts one toward the right field corner, hit it toward the wall, it's out of here! A three-run
1: homer for Dominic Smith, and the Mets
2: take the lead in the seventh inning. Courtesy of SNY, Trevor May. I mean, Martin Perez gets the start yesterday, and he's got he's needed to be better, right? And he was. He gets through six innings on 83 pitches, 60 of them strikes. A lot of swinging strikes, by the way, only four Ks. That could have been higher, but. Why does Perez not return for the seventh inning? It's enjoyable, fun, rube like second guessing the day after a meltdown fourteen to four the final, and the Minnesota Twins unfortunately have uh, they've lost three games in a row. No, senor! That was the last thing we had to get really excited about. Well well, you know what? Okay, things a little tough. Okay, the record's been a little bleak in the month of June, but you know what? This team always bounces back. They have not lost three games in a row. No, Senor! Well, it happened yesterday. Mm. So we can, we can get that out of our heads at this juncture and try to move on with the season. Now, after Sunday, if you remember, the rally to tie it up at three in the Cleveland finale. Really could have used that game, right? And then May comes on. Two quick fastballs. It's 0-2. Hangs one. It's headed into the seats. Indians win 4-3, salvage a game in that series. It felt like we were watching that exact same at-bat yesterday. Because Trevor May, you wanted him to have the chance to get out there, shake off that home run that he gave up in Cleveland. He got that opportunity yesterday. It didn't work. Now, Trevor May. He's made 40 appearances now in 2019 for the Twins. He has allowed runs in eight of those appearances. Two in April, back-to-back appearances. Two in May, back-to-back appearances. Two in June, and now two in July, in back-to-back appearances. The team is three, three and five when he surrenders, earned runs. Now, my undercover stats people that I employ, it's not a great paying job. You can ask Lehman, but he at least has, he responds to my, my text, so I appreciate that. I've been told that Trevor May actually pretty good in most high-leverage spots until the last 72 hours, of course. Now, based on trends, again, back-to-back appearances in April, back-to-back appearances in May, We just saw it again most recently as well, That means that Trevor May should be lights out, at least until August. 13 days for the Minnesota Twins to decide how much hashtag faith they have in that particular scenario. Now, you can be annoyed with Trevor May, the three-run home run. That gave the Mets ultimately what they needed to get over the line. They added another nine just for good measure. What about Matt McGill on the mound? McGill up to 33 pitches in this inning. And Alonzo hits one out of sight. That ball heads for the second deck and beyond up into the third deck. Pete Alonzo crushes one. His first home run since the All-Star break, his 31st of the year. And the roof has come crashing down on the Twins here in the eighth. Miguel Sano, Jim Tomey. They were all blushing at that home run that Alonzo put in the third deck at target field yesterday. What a home run. Now, in fairness to Matt McGill, frankly, that shouldn't have happened, right? Rosario should have gotten the team out of the inning. He bleeps up, but the runs count. McGill gives up a double, a single, the blast from Alonzo, and it is just an onslaught. From there. Now, I kind of breeze past the Rosario error. I think this team has five or six errors over its last five games. Sloppy, sloppy, bad baseball over the last five games. That is concerning. Cleveland's playing Detroit. They're winning every game. And speaking of countdowns, 8 days to training camp, 13 days to the Major League Baseball trade deadline, if you're living on the shores of Lake Erie and your favorite player, Jose Ramirez, you're excited that Kluber is doing bullpen sessions, and you love Francisco Lindor, he's the coolest cat ever, he owns Cleveland, your number right now is four. Ah.
3: Above average. Above average,
2: I now, I can't ask any of you out there not to sweat. Kind of doing, we're good at countdowns, and we're good at trying to sell hope. I'm not going to ask you not to sweat. Because bandwagon or otherwise, we're in on this thing, and this thing sucks right now. It's uneasy. It's tenuous. I shouldn't say sucks. I think that's, that's just a bad... Easy, flippant way to be negative about something. So I, I, I retract that. But the situation is tenuous. I do plead with you, however, not to abandon ship. This may be the Titanic and the waters are rough. We may not have enough lifeboats. But stay on the deck. It's incredibly difficult in a moment to trust the co-captains, Falvey and Levine. But one thing about this, I will say this. This is their opportunity. This is one thing that I pull from this situation. This is their opportunity to show us that they truly want to bring postseason baseball back to the Twin Cities. That's the conspiracy theory that baseball related negatives in town have had forever, right? That ultimately, when the big move needs to be made and the swing needs to be taken for the fences from the front office, that in a lot of ways we've never seen that and it's never come to fruition. New front office, different story. Same owner, same story, maybe. But with Falvey and Levine, for all the moves that didn't work out a year ago, as we watch Lance Lynn doing some great things in Texas... you know, low-mo or slow-mo, as some like to call them. For all those moves that didn't work out a year ago, you'd have to say for the most part in 2019, all their moves this time around have worked. And they've been more creative with how they add talent to this roster. With Rocco Baldelli in the mix, Wes Johnson adding Velocity, you know, Zach Littell, you know, some of those names in the bullpen you don't see very often. But you've seen you've seen some things working in the Falvi Levine regime. This is the opportunity now where the team is 20 and 18 since the beginning of June. That's great. It's not good enough right now as we're watching other teams creep closer and closer and closer. But think about that, the worst part of the season for the twins right now, a 20 and 18 stretch above 500. This is their opportunity to show that they truly have winning on the mind and that they are willing to do the things that it takes to get there. This stretch of injury malaise for a squad that really on their own. You know, this isn't this isn't a situation where we have necessarily on our own as a fan base just said we're going to believe and we're going to buy in for the sake of buying in. Thanks for the $5 tickets. Now I'm going to go every week. No, this team has built its own mammoth expectations by being really damn good for the first three months of the season. This, for Falvey and Levine now, should become a sign. And it's a sign as in, if this were a crop circle in a cornfield, it'd be in the shape of Ken Giles' face or Amir Garrett, maybe Brad Hand. Pick your poison. There should be no issues reading this particular sign for Falvey and Levine and the Polads and everybody in the mix. The hope selling here is that the sign is so clear that it propels an organization to dust off its rotary telephone and make some freaking calls. Because I truly believe with all my heart, you can think I'm an idiot for saying this, I believe that if the Twins had cruised through June, that they had nice little all-star break. Okay, Buxton on the I.L. with a concussion. C.J. Krohn back. Rosario back. Minus the Ls. You're winning these games. You just swept Cleveland. You're up 8.5. Handle the Mets, a non-playoff operation. Okay, now you're up double-digit games. Let's say they're up double-digit games on the Indians right now. Indians out of the mix. I truly believe with all my heart that the Twins potentially are not as aggressive, maybe not make the moves necessary, and we watch a team that gets swept in the ALDS by the Astros. And we would hear that they tried, that they were proud of the work they did through that, this long, arduous 162-game season. Weren't expected to be here, but you know what? We were. We're proud of this season, and we're going to build on it. I can hear it already. To be honest with you, thing writes itself. This pinch could be the best thing because this is a this is a five week pinch on the ass of everybody at Target Field right now. Things aren't as bad as it feels, but things aren't as great as maybe we thought they were either. So what you going to do? You going to live in purgatory? You going to end up selling? You know, selling? No, that, that that's not the case. There's only one move for you to make. If you move at all, it's a shot to the heart. It's a boost. It's a spark. It's back to reality. It's making deals. Let's go. So these 13 days, this countdown, will tell us everything we need to know about the intentions of our favorite baseball team. And they have 13 days to prove that they want what we want. And you know what that is? That's wins. So it's their move. If they don't take a a swing for the fences, though, however, Vikings training camp starts in a week. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Stay on the bandwagon. But read the sign and get better. Timber Tech set list, 9 to noon. Doing decking differently. A lot of baseball later today. And in studio at 1055, we'll review a lot of this, not only yesterday's catastrophe versus the Mets, but looking forward, while the Indians are playing the Detroit Tigers and the Royals and you know pick whoever sub playoff team is, Twins got a four gamer against the A's coming up, and then it's the pinstripes. And so they got to get they got some work to do. So we're going to talk uh Corzo, Scott Korzanowski. He's going to be in studio at 1055. 10 fifteen Ben Lieber is in studio uh, he's actually hosting the Friday feast tomorrow and we're gonna chat, uh, we're going to chat football and mess around with him and then it's uh, Kendra D St Aubin, at 9 fifty five Loon's just hosted a Premier League team yesterday Minnesota united FC they're in Real Salt Lake. Uh, it is Kendra who does the analysis for Fox sports north and uh, and she'll join me by phone then but around the corner i 'm excited now sixth time. All-Star WNBA, two-time title-winning Sylvia Fowles. We'll be calling the hotline, and we'll chat with her and get uh, get our update on the status of, of the Lynx and the grind of the WNBA season. Sylvia Fowles around the corner. It's Nordo in for PA, and you're listening to The Fan.
4: Eric Nordquist, filling in for PA
5: on... This segment brought to you by Quick Trip.
1: And some get none, some catch a bad one, and some leave the job half done. I was one who never had and always mad. Never knew my dad. Motherfucked the flag. When anywhere I did. pick up, flip and click them. The St.
5: Saint Paul Saints are hosting the 2019 All-Star Game at CHS Field on July 23rd. Don't miss fan personalities at the Celebrity Softball Game on July 22nd as well. Purchase your tickets at Saintsbaseball.com plus we have your chance to win tickets on our contest page at KFN.com. Keyword Contest. And we'll actually have a pair of Vikings preseason
2: tickets that we'll be giving away August 18th, Vikings and Seahawks at U.S. Bank Stadium. So stay tuned for that throughout 9 to noon today. Uh, very happy now to be joined by its second overall pick, 2008 WNBA draft out of LSU by the Chicago Sky, joined the Lynx, I believe in 2015, and hasn't looked back. Two titles and now a sixth All Star selection. Sylvia Fowles, how are you this morning?
6: <laughs> I'm doing all right.
2: <laughs> I, I did first want to congratulate you. You know, as as a veteran in this league, it's it's sometimes you know the titles mean maybe the most for. A lot of players out there, and, and of course, including yourself and, and the great things you've done in your career. But, you know, all accolades in some ways to validate the great work that you do should mean something. And, and congrats on your sixth WNBA All Star selection.
6: Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, it gets a little lost in the realm out there, but for the most part, it, it is kind of humbling. And um, it does show like all your hard work you put in over the last couple of years. So, yeah.
2: Now I I I already know the answer to this question, Sylvia. But uh, are you familiar with Lisa Leslie? <laughs> uh,
6: somewhat, yeah. Okay, yeah.
2: okay. You know, L. A. <laughs> if if you if you don't remember, uh, L. A. Sparks, she won a couple of titles. For
6: sure, for sure.
2: And she also had 157 double doubles in her career, and and that number is interesting because I was watching your game yesterday. Uh huh. You now have 158. <laughs>
6: That's a WNBA record. Man, it's been a long time. It's been a long time coming. Um, I know it sounds like a good thing, but it also shows like how old I am throughout the league, so I don't know which one I want to grab first.
2: <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know the uh, the work that you've done and being able to say you're on the top of any particular list at the height of your game, uh, couldn't be happier for you. Now, I know it was a tough loss last night, Sylvia. What an sure. incredible run in the fourth, though. This, there's not a lot of quit in this young group, uh, is there?
6: No, it's not. Um, we're very gritty, of course, and we can't take no for an answer. Um, it wasn't pretty last night, but um, our girls are very determined. Um, they hustle. And so, as disappointed as it was, you also want to see the positive behind it and that's that we never gave up and we never quit it. So... You got to, you know, give us credit in some form of fashion. Like I said, the loss sucks, but at the same time, it shows great character going forward.
2: With all the new faces, it it seems like quite the task in developing. You're growing on the fly, but you're still winning games. That seems like a, a tough challenge for you.
6: Um, I won't need to say the new faces. I think it's just a system, and we just try to hold each other accountable to that. Um. You just got to make sure you come out, uh, you stay in focus, uh, try to play hard as as much as possible, and then treat each other right. So I think those things have been working for us, and that's why we've been able to steal a couple of games. But um, once we get that cohesiveness down pack, I think we're going to be awesome.
2: And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact, you know, one of the newcomers to the Lynx this year, Odyssey Sims, she makes her first All-Star team, I believe. What has it meant having Odyssey in the mix. I saw she had the game winning shot a couple games ago. Mm-hmm. Uh how has Odyssey really firm things up for you ladies?
6: Well she she brings a uh, quite a grittiness to our team. Um and we love her effort. Uh we love her uh, her quickness. But at the same time too she's she's a ball player and she's she's wonderful. And um we needed that Odyssey Sims at this point in time throughout um this year, and um, she meant everything to us, and I'm just happy to we have her now, and I'm, I'm happy to see her grow, too, in her, her previous years, I mean, her next couple of years.
2: Now, and and I apologize if I'm wrong, but did you overlap with your teammate Simone Augustus at LSU maybe for a year or two?
6: Yeah, two years. We played together for two years. I came in her sophomore year. Okay, Her junior year. I played with her her junior so I'm watching
2: I'm I'm watching the game last <laughs> night and I'm curious because I mean she was louder than Cheryl could ever dream to be. She's pumped up. It's got to be tough for her to, to to not be out there hitting shots for Right. You. But uh but what was she like when the the competitor that I met at training camp in the broadcast studio, she was fantastic. Uh-huh. What was she like uh down in Baton Rouge?
6: Um we both was two shy antisocial individuals. <laughs> uh. <laughs> We didn't say much. Uh, we had a little goofiness in us, but for the most part, it was quiet. Um, I think we had to meet each other for us to bring that out of each other, for us to be who we are today. And I'm just happy that I, I, I got a chance to meet Simone and her prime, and I think she's an awesome individual, and I'm happy to call her a friend.
2: Any changes in terms of, you know, Cheryl Reeve, speaking of her, the uh-huh. you know, when when you have the fantastic core that you did, you win those titles. Uh, a couple of those key pieces go away. Does that impact uh, what what Cheryl is out there doing? Is is it more of a, a leadership perspective of of gals like you and and Simone? You know how does that impact things for Cheryl?
6: Um, I think she got a tough job uh, anyway. <laughs> but then you come back in, and then you're talking about dealing with two, three people that you've seen over the last couple of years to have a whole new team. Um, I think she did a really good job at matching personalities and making sure everybody was going to get along and making sure everybody was selfless. And um she kind of brought all that together. So you got to give her all the credit for what she's done because it go all to her. Yeah, we have somewhat of an input, but at the same time, I think her job is hard as it is, but she makes it look so easy.
2: She certainly does. Uh, <laughs> Sylvia Fowles, six-time All-Star, two-time WNBA title winner, Minnesota Lynx. Uh, next up, I believe it's Sunday at Las Vegas and mm-hmm. the Aces. Uh, you get that. You're, you're actually making two trips to Las Vegas because you'll you'll beat the Aces on Sunday, and then you're headed back there a week from Saturday. You know it for the All-Star game. So any Vegas fans out there, very jealous of you for many reasons. Uh, <laughs> The league, the league, Sylvia, and it's typically been and, and you've been on the on the right side of this for a large part of it, is the league has typically been a little top heavy. And right. for a number of years it's it's been your team, the Minnesota Lynx and and, right. and the Sparks and you know, even Seattle, they jumped up, they win the title last year. Sure. Mm-hmm. But but this year, what I mean, you you have a team right now in the Lynx, you're ten and eight, and uh-huh. you are two games away from being second in the league your two sure. games from being 10th in the league. It's so competitive. There's so much parity in the WNBA this year.
6: I mean, it's wide open. Um, unfortunately, we had a couple of players to go down, but it just shows every team um, not feeling sorry for themselves, and they're just going out there and play basketball. So, yeah, we're, we're a couple of slots from moving up, but we also a couple of slots are moving backwards as well. So we just got to continue to go out there and um, learn from my mistakes and just be willing to put yourself out down the line to get to the slot where you need to be because, like you said, it's wide open, and any team can do amazing things this season, and we just want to be one of those teams.
2: A couple more for you here, and I'll let you to get on to uh, to enjoy the day. You know, you as a basketball player, and I, I look at the evolution in the WNBA, and, mm-hmm. you know, for instance, I have I have two four-year-old daughters, and at some mm-hmm. point – you know, people like you will be who they look up to. And I think that's a really exciting thing. But when you were growing up and learning to play basketball, did the, M- did the WNBA, in- it- how did that impact your passion for the game? The Cynthia Coopers, the Swoops, uh, you know, Le- Lisa Leslie, of course. Uh, right. How did that impact you as, as-, as a young girl uh, loving the game and wanting to play it?
6: Um, Just giving you that sense of hope that you can do what guys do and still be considered as a woman, um, I think, is most important. And just the way they carried themselves with respect, and um, they wasn't ashamed of who they were. And so, yeah, they impacted me a lot as a kid because, um, you know, growing up women didn't supposed to do these things and to be able to have a league and to have something to look forward to, it meant a lot growing up.
2: So when did you realize, hey, I'm – pretty damn good at this, and maybe I can make some cash <laughs> doing it for a living. When oh, did that happen for you?
6: Oh, man, that happened real late. Uh, that was like high school-ish uh, when I discovered that I actually had a chance. Um, I was very raw, so not good. and It was it was ugly, but at the same time, I was persistent. Um, I didn't take no foreign answer. I had some amazing coaches and teammates who worked with me. And so they made me who I am today, but it wasn't pretty at
2: first. <laughs> mm. Uh last one for you here. I've I've always been intrigued and, you know, as as the WA WNBA continues to grow, this may change, but as of now, a, a fair number of professionals like yourself will mm-hmm. go and play overseas during the offseason. And most recently, I think you were in Beijing, but you've been to yeah. Turkey and Russia. Uh-huh. Are you are you able to share kind of some of those experiences? What's that? What's that like? I've always been intrigued by that that process and that uh, that adventure that that ladies go on overseas.
6: Oh man, it's amazing! Uh, but first, you you just have to have um, a sense of humbleness about yourself. But at the same time, you have to know that you're blessed and not everybody gets that opportunity. Um, you have to be dedicated to what you do because it's not easy. Like making those sacrifices, being away from your family. Uh, anywhere between five to seven months out of the year as well. So basketball has given me the opportunity to, to go travel to places that I never thought I would travel and meet new friends, uh, get to see different things in different places. So, um, I'm grateful for those things, but you, you have to have, um, a sense of direction of willingness to play overseas because it's not easy. Hey.
2: What you do right now is not easy, and congratulations <laughs> on your sixth All-Star thank you, thank appearances. And, uh, and, of course, good luck in Las Vegas over Appreciate the next it. couple of weekends, and, and go get after it.
6: You will do. Thank you.
2: All right, thank you. That's Sylvia Fowles, two-time trophy winning Sylvia Fowles with the Minnesota Lynx. Just named to her sixth All-Star game. Odyssey Sims, I mentioned her. She's an All-Star as well. And in an absolute meat grinder of a league at 10-8, and 8, Go either way. They win a couple of more games, they're in, They're second in the league. They lose two more games, they're out of it. So um, thank you to Sylvia, thank you to uh, Mr. Freeman with the Lynx for setting up that interview. Uh, 10.55, we're going to go heavy on the Twins with Mr. Scott Korzanowski. It's Corzo in studio on a Thursday, 10.55. Heavy on football with Ben Lieber. Not only is he hosting tomorrow, but as we get closer to Minnesota Vikings training camp and as good a, a reprieve and a, as good maybe a, a summer chill and escape that the Minnesota Twins have been, I'm starting to get really bleeping fired up for the Vikings season. So Libra in studio at about 10.15, then Kindredy e. St. Aubin on the loons at 9.55. But next, i got a couple of things for you. One is a a possible political conspiracy, and the other one just involves... How stupid ball hawking is. It's Nordo in for PA on the fan. This is Nordo in for PA on the fan. (laughs) The fan.
1: Come on, come on. I see no changes. Wake up in the morning and I ask myself. It's like worth living shut up.
5: I love this song. Well done, Joe this, Perovich. This is maybe his penultimate song. This is Ambitions as, ambitions as a Rida is very good, too, though.
2: Well, maybe we should dial up some Ambitions of a uh, lyrics. lyrics, yeah. which might come into play five to seven minutes from now. Okay. Uh, two things as we as we approach the 10 a.m. hour. Kindred D. St. Aubin will join on the hotline, and then Ben Lieber in studio, which leads to Corzo. And, uh, and a lot of baseball in the final hour, 9 to noon, in order to win for PA, and it's 9.41. Two things that I found most interesting. It's, it's just it's kind of a, a weird sports situation and just a weird life situation that I prefaced prior to the end of the last segment as I wonder if there's some sort of political conspiracy going on. And potentially, um, there might be some discrimination. I want to get to that. In just a moment. But first, yesterday I talked briefly about just Wrigley Field. And my, my question being what made a great ballpark. Because I was told by those on social media that are the ultimate sources of intellect, knowledge, and opinion that Wrigley's actually a dump. It's not the incredible piece of baseball uh, history, uh, baseball uh, the, the memories, the eras, the generations of players, etc. But I'm glad that I talked about Wrigley yesterday because I found this article via Paul Sullivan of the Chicago Tribune. The headline, My Thai guy defends himself from stealing ball from kids. That's how it goes down there. My tie guy ball hawking. the concept of being in this particular case an adult at a baseball game. Ball is hit into the stands, and it apparently for some individuals, it's a no holds bar scenario because you got to have that foul ball. You got to have that that uh, I, I don't know what it is. Is it is it about collecting? Is it about just? Being a kid that didn't get to go to baseball games, now you're 40 years old and knocking over 8-year-olds? I don't know, but Wrigley Field the other night, it started with this home run.
7: Schwarber drives one in the air, left center field and deep, back toward the wall, near the fence. It's got a chance! Cubs win!
3: Kyle Schwarber, a game-winning home run! It landed in the basket!
7: Teammates waiting at home plate. They all mob him, jumping up and down. Cubs win the ball game,
2: four to three. That courtesy of six seventy, the score in Chicago. Cubs win that game. That was cool. Who is my tie guy? When I first started coming out here, when I was twenty-one, the beers were a buck cheaper than the my ties.
1: How about a beer?
2: The beer is only 5% alcohol. The Mai Tai is like 12%. So for a buck more, let's get after it, you know? I always love that one. That courtesy of Mai Tai Guy. So where does he play into this equation? Mai Tai Guy, his real name is Christopher Sorley. He's a handyman from Chicago, roofing, siding, insulation. What he does in his spare time is he hangs out in Wrigley Field's left field bleachers. He's been going for 25 years, which is where, again, the other night, you heard that Kyle Schwarber home run. He has now become a viral sensation. If you see the video, sorely, or let's just go with my tie Guy from here on out, he was accused of swiping that home run you heard from Kyle Schwarber from a couple of kids that were reaching into the basket above the ivy for the game winning ball. Wearing one of his Cubs jerseys, according to the article with his Mai Tie Guy nickname on the back, Sorley quickly became a trending topic on Twitter and the subject of ridicule on sports radio. And I guess in some ways, maybe I'm ridiculing him right now. I don't know what to think. But here is Mai Tie Guy defending himself Wednesday, saying it's a matter of perception. By fans. So the kids are in the front row because we let them go there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's a gamer. You know the rules here. You know The, the Cubs uh,
5: can't uh, be responsible for the actions of fans when uh, trying uh, to procure a home run or foul ball. Walk off home run, kind of anybody's game. Uh, feel bad for the kids, but it looked a lot worse than it really was.
7: Did you <laughs> shove the kids?
2: Not at all. You not you not at go? all. So my Thai guy says he didn't shove them. This is this is juicy and controversial. A man in his 40s defending himself against taking a home run ball away from two kids. You can find the video on YouTube or Twitter. It's exceptionally easy to find. Just search my tie guy. Denies he shoved either of them. Had a chuckle, he says. But the incident with the boy's father on Wednesday morning in those same left field bleachers. Hey guys, I'm sorry, he said. They all knew the rules. They'd gotten their balls in batting practice. I'm sure would have, they would have been happy to get one more, but who wouldn't? They knew what was going on. They're going to remember that day for the rest of their life, however they want to remember. So the ensuing debate, of course, among most of us out there, and it notes in this Paul Sullivan Chicago Tribune article, is most of us are wondering, are you an idiot? Honestly, you fought two kids under the age of 10 for a baseball Okay. But veteran ball hawk Mo Mullins, ball hawk Mo has inserted himself into the conversation, and he believes that my Tai guy, I mean, these guys are a close-knit circle, the ball the ball hawking crowd, and Mo Mullins believes that my Tai guy is being unfairly ridiculed.
3: Sports radio can kiss Mo Mullins' Irish ass. Everybody in the world would try to grab that ball. And you guys to make this guy like he's a jerk are totally wrong. I guarantee if you were out there, you would reach to grab the ball. Maybe you would have turned around and gave it to somebody afterwards, but that guy gives away plenty of balls. A home run is a different story.
2: There you heard it. Ballhawk Mo Mullins. I was not aware that there is um I mean, there's an underworld. There's an underbelly to ball hawking. And one of the best added, or one of the most infamous, would be Zach Hampel. And this is a 40-plus-year-old guy from New York City who has collected in excess of 10,000. Maybe it's 11,000 by now. It was like 10,000 a year ago. A lot of changes. 30 ballparks. A lot to do. A lot of balls. But I saw a video, he was here at Target Field, and his goal is to get five to seven basically every single game. But there is an underbelly in an underworld, and there's an etiquette to this. And from the ball hawking crowd, my tie guy did nothing wrong. Schwarber says that it should go to the kid. My tie guy says, I'm not giving it to the kid. You get the good and bad. That's the nature of the game. You live your life, and if people don't like it, they don't like it. I'm not trying to hurt anybody, not trying to steal or hustle or hurt. A lot of people around here were giving me high-fives and thanks. So My Thai guy gets a lot of heat, but he was pleased to discover late that evening that hashtag# tie Guy" was trending on Twitter.
3: Oh, oh my, gosh. Ball
2: my goodness. Uh, let's do this. I did have, I want to hit this, it's a non-sports article, but uh, it was foreshadowing by Joe that it is Tupac related. And I want to get into this, we'll do, we'll do this later in the show, but I want to break now so we can get to Kendra D. St. Aubin. She's an analyst for Fox Sports North, and she analyzes Minnesota United FC. And one segment out of nine today will be regarding my favorite team and my favorite sport, and it's going to be with Kendra D. St. Aubin that's around the corner. It's Nordo win for PA, 9 to noon.
4: Eric Nordquist, filling in for PA on air.
2: Later 9 to noon, we will be giving away Minnesota Vikings tickets. And I may task Joseph Perovich with putting together a brilliant trivia question in which you'll be called upon to dial the numbers and send, you know, win yourself a chance to get to U.S. Bank Stadium, preseason game, Vikings and Seahawks. Uh, joining me now, though, a different kind of football, Kindra D. St. Aubin, analyst for Fox Sports North, right alongside Cal. You'll see her on all the TV broadcasts at Kindra Sports on Twitter, how you doing this morning, Kendra?
8: I'm doing good. I'm just on my way to NFC for a little uh, Minnesota United training, so no rest for the weary. You've got RSL Rail Salt Lake on Saturday, another Western Conference opponent. So right back at it after uh, playing Aston Villa last night.
2: Yeah, Aston Villa. How cool was it? And and you were close to it, really, over kind of the seven day journey, seven days ish that uh, this Premier League team they. Bring themselves to the United States, part of kind of a preseason tour. First stop here in the St. Paul, Minneapolis area. How cool was it, kind of getting close to that for a week?
8: Well, I think what was really cool about it is, um, you know, what you do see is that you know they're football players, they're soccer players, just like Minnesota United. They go out there and they train and they do the same kind of drills, the same small side of games, the same everything that you can imagine. Now, the the difference is is that they're in their preseason, so. You know, everything was super intense. They do a ton of fitness with the ball. Um, John Terry is one of their assistant coaches, you know, who's a legend with England and Chelsea, of course. So um, it was just really cool to be a part of it. And the coaching staff, the training staff, the public relations manager, everybody was just, you know, as they would say in England, top-notch. And uh, it, was, it was awesome. And it was a great game last night in the sense of an atmosphere. Um, you know, the fans bring it as they always do. And Aston Villa had an insane amount of supporters there. I know Cal was at Brits at like 10 o'clock in the morning hosting something yesterday with the Aston Villa supporters, and he said there were like four or 500 people there, and they had come from all over the country, so it was really fun to see.
2: You know I, know, I know Cal tries to, I shouldn't say try, you know, maybe prides himself on, you know, being a keen observer and commentator as it pertains to soccer, but I believe as a born-and-bred Aston Villa rube, did he... Did he get a little bit too excited when Villa scored?
8: You know what? He didn't. And I think that's one one of the things that we always uh, enjoy about Cal's calls is whether it's the home team, the visiting team, or whether it's a team that he's a fan of since he was, you know, a little boy. And his dad and mom had flown over as well um, to come to the game and to attend it and, and to attend some of the training sessions. He was cool, calm, and collected and did his calls just like he always does and, um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was weird for him to see Aston Villa playing at Allianz Field against Minnesota United. Hmm. I think that's what was weird because he's called an Aston Villa game before over there, but it's weirder when it's like in your environment here on your home turf at Allianz Field, you know, with Minnesota United and the Wonderwall, you know. So that was a little bit weird.
2: It sounded like all exceptional marks from the visitors during their journey here, and it was a good match last night. Enjoyed seeing you. Uh, on the stream and and now, but back to business. So, I mean, technically, the seven game winning streak in all matches is dead. Although I hope you're like me and that friendlies don't count. Um, yeah,
8: I'm going. I'm going no friendlies on this one. I mean, this is you know there were a different number of of guys playing in this match yesterday to get some minutes and to rest um, some of the other guys. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The streak is still alive in my mind between MLS action and US Open Cup.
2: And as far as games that matter, the last game that mattered, Vito Minone provided the, you know, whether it was a penalty or not, who cares, forget about it. What matters (laughs) is is what happened once the kick was taken from the spot, and Vito is as clutch as as you could ask for a guy in his first season with the team.
8: Well and I've talked a lot about this about him this season in the sense of this the shutout streak and okay, is it him, is it the defense? You know, you've got Ozzy Alonso, Aikopar, all these players in front of him, you know, is it the chicken or the egg kind of a thing? Well, when you're saving a penalty like that, it's one hundred percent the goalkeeper on that situation. And it was a good penalty. I mean it was a well taken penalty. Um so Monone just coming up absolutely huge and deserve it on team of the week along with Ikepara, uh, this week for MLS and um, and, you know, you can't say enough about Mason Toy. I mean, Jan Greggish had a beautiful shot uh, late in the game in extra time and overtime or extra time in the 91st minute, and uh, somehow their goalkeeper saved it, and then, you know, right there Mason Toy gets the rebound and finishes. So um, I think there's just a lot of things, like those kind of things are going right for Minnesota right now that maybe wouldn't have in the past, and although the game itself wasn't great the entire 90 minutes, it wasn't the most well-played, beautiful match. In the end, Minnesota gets the three points, and that's all that matters.
2: You know, looking at goalkeeping, and this is not an affront by any means to Bobby Shuttleworth. He got an opportunity, made a mo- uh, made the most of it during yep. uh, his tenure here so far. But I, I'm not uh, I'm not jumping out of bounds by saying that Vito at this stage is is better at what he does. And so,
8: yeah, I, yeah, so, I, w- I would say you're not wrong on that.
2: And and so, but the thing is, though, is is Bobby. You know, this this doesn't mean that he can't play. The the problem is though, is fighting for minutes at this stage is going to be an issue. And I don't know if you saw it, I, I think I got this from Jeff Ruder, uh covers mm-hmm. your squad for the athletic, that uh that Bobby kinda noted, hey, uh, you know, I want to play. And mm-hmm. you know, God bless this team, but if if I'm not going to get to play here, then, then maybe I gotta go somewhere. So mm-hmm. you know, and and then at the same time, the team has to determine what they do long-term with veto so that's that's kind of tricky in terms of you know paying respects to bobby but but you got the the hot hand in net
8: well and look i mean that's the life of a goalkeeper um you know that's the net life of a net miner. it's the same situation in hockey like you you always want to be the number one and what you want as a club as a team is the best possible number two out there that should and could be a starter on any other team and that's what I think we have with Bobby Shudworth. I mean, he played last night against Aston Villa and hadn't played a minute all season. And he played fantastic. He was a bright spot for me, one of the lone bright spots on Minnesota United last night against Aston Villa, even though they lost 3 nothing, He made some fantastic saves for not being that game reaction, game fit in their mind from a goalkeeping standpoint. You know, I, I mean, he looked great. So we are really lucky at Minnesota United to have a starting goalkeeper on several other clubs as the number two right now but you can't fault him at all for wanting to go somewhere and play i mean that is the life of a goalkeeper
2: it was announced a couple of days ago robin Lude, a finnish yeah. midfielder so the team's in a mm-hmm. playoff spot but you still want to get better the transfer windows wide open and the breeze is coming in and robin <laughs> Lude has uh yeah. has blown into uh into the loon's covenant what's uh what's good with him
8: well that was a slow roll and blow into uh, you know, if we're talking about the wind blowing in these yeah. open transfer windows. I mean they were they like two well years known bit right? It was well known that they had been after him for, you know, eighteen months to two years, which um I, I think that was just tells you how much, you know, homework they've done on him and why they wanted him and how they felt that he would fit into Adrian Heath's system and and into the squad that's already here, his personality. I mean, they always got good reports from Rasmus Schuler with The Finnish national team, they spent time together. Um, He had some nice goals in the Euros. So I think he's just another player. I mean, what you want on this team is depth. What you want on every team is depth. And even Dean Smith for Aston Villa, kind of on another note, said to us the last two days, like, you want two guys at every position that should be, could be starters. You want the competition in every spot. And I think that's what Adrian Heath, Manny Lagos, Amos McGee, and the entire coaching staff have worked for is to make it so it's competitive at every spot. And then you look and go, man, well, now we got, you know, another winger, another attacking player, another attacking piece, and what do you do with Kevin Molino, and, you know, what do you do with Miguel Barr, and what do you do with all that? Well, that's a good problem to have. And, and just as quickly you have all this depth. Can someone go down injured or be gone on international duty? And, of course, God forbid you don't want to wish injuries, but – and then just every day of training, you want that high level of competitiveness to be able to raise the level of play. I mean, this level of training this year is completely different than 2017 and 2018. And that's nothing against the guys that were on this roster the last two seasons. It's just the level across the board from top to bottom has been raised. And uh, Robin Lord is one of those uh, one of those players.
2: So he's here now, and I saw this last night as well, the the always smiling Englishman. Adrian Heath uh, yep. may have hinted at, at, at another signing to be announced. So I want you, and, unless you are in the boardroom with these guys and could tell us who it is, <laughs> I want you. I want you to flex your elite improving a squad mind. And you know, uh, it, where, where are areas potentially where you're thinking this team has U.S. Open Cup on the mind, MLS Cup on the mind, all of those things. You know, maybe where can they can they uh, firm up some depth? Oh,
8: left back. I mean, let's not, yeah. left back is absolutely 100% the sole focus in my mind of what this club needs to add a player. And look, I love Chase Gasper. He's a fantastic left-footed, solid, true left-footed player, defender. He's done great, but he's a rookie. He's learning. Um, you know, when they drafted him, they said he is probably the most ready left back in the draft, um, or really defender for that matter, but especially a left back, and um, they absolutely need to find a left back. It's, it's no secret. It's no doubt, in my opinion, that has not changed going forward. I don't know what is on the table for them and what's on the verge of, of being done or happening, and you know how these things are. I mean, you, you have something kind of locked up, and then who the heck knows what happens, what what, come, what goes on with the international transfer window. So we'll see what happens as it continues to stay open, but a left back is for sure, the left defender is for sure the peg. You know the hole that needs to be filled for starting position, and then Chase Gasper could come off the bench.
2: I look at I look at a couple of things as being. I mean, there are several things that have fallen the way of this team in 2019, and and really, if you're looking at how do you get to the playoffs, how do you make things happen in the postseason, all of those things, long year, et cetera, You do need things to fall your way. This five game road stretch to start the season is falling yeah. in the team's favor now because they get seven of their final 14 at home. That's good news. Uh, you have uh, only a bruised shoulder versus what could have been much worse for an Ozzy yep. Alonzo. But then when all said and done, uh, you're looking, you know, the transfer window's open. Oh, by the way, African Cup of Nations is over, and you're going to get an MLS yes. All-Star back. So Roman Metonier is back in the mix. Yeah,
8: yeah. It was nice to see him back out at training the other day. I mean, and I'm sure if he had his brothers, he probably would have been on the pitch last night. I mean, he's just one of those guys that wants to step out there as soon as possible and um, hopefully he'll be good to go for Saturday against Real Salt Lake and, you know, the depth, again, is going to be tested there with altitude and the, the number of games in a short amount of time for Minnesota United, but Again, another good problem to have. You have Roman Metzner, as you said, MLS All-Star, back in the mix, back in the African Cup of Nations. Madagascar went farther than anybody could have dreamed that they would, and he was the starting right back for them and and played really well. So good to have him back in the full, but now you also have Hassani Dotson, who has been more than serviceable, if I do say so myself, as a right back in that position over the last, you know, how many ever weeks. And um, now he, he has the ability to come off the bench if Roman gets the starting nod, and you know, Husani can play right back. He can play holding mid. I mean, there's just so many options right now, but love having Roman just, you know, back at training, back with a smiling face here every day. And um, he brings a certain level of energy and intensity to the training and to the game.
2: This is kind of a long view approach. Kendra D. St. Aubin, by the way, Fox Sports North, analyzes Minnesota United FC games. And uh, she joins me now at Kendra Sports on Twitter. A few more for you here. I'll, l- I'll let you go. Um do you do you ever you know kind of think back and you look at the evolution of this team from Major League Soccer you know from obscurity into the top league in American ball and mm-hmm. they struggle mightily it's an issue and the ramp up time and all these things and you know X Y Z players that are brought in don't work out uh, you trade mm-hmm. a guy that's potentially the most popular player in the club's <laughs> history and Christian Ramirez. You know, I, saw mm-hmm. some, I saw some kid wearing his number last night, by the way. There's got to be some rubes that are ticked off about that, but that's for another time. Uh, the, mm-hmm. evolution, the evolution of this team through the first two and a half seasons really impresses me as Adrian Heath, Lagos, Amos, everybody has, uh, has found a path to making this team truly competitive week to week.
8: Well, first of all, we all know how sports works in the United States. It's a win now mentality. So, when you have a brand new team, a brand new club, you know, going from NASL, going from USL, whatever league you're going to, and you're jumping to MLS, it takes time. And I know people don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear about the process. They don't want to hear about, you know, necessarily finding the right players, the right fits, the right personalities, the chemistry. It's a work in progress. You know, you've got international guys that, Maybe absolute studs in their leagues overseas, but maybe it doesn't translate right away to MLS. And I think that people are, you know, we've been preaching patience, and everybody on Minnesota United has been preaching patience, trying to find the right fit for Adrian Heath system and for Minnesota. And it's it's coming to fruition now, and I think the patience is is playing, paying off, and it's really been fun to see. And it's fun to, and don't get me wrong, there's been times you're sitting in the booth and you're, you know, during some of these shellacking the first season and going, good lord what in the heck is going on here? How do we get this thing going? I mean, you know, we want to support this team and be a quote unquote fan of this club as much as anybody. And there isn't anybody in this, in this organization that doesn't want success. I mean, talk to Dr. Bill McGuire. I mean, he was a college athlete. He played basketball. He hates to lose. It is a thing. He doesn't understand losing. He doesn't get it. He doesn't want to do it. So everybody is on the same boat, on the same path, on the same mission. And it's so fun to see it coming to fruition now and seeing everybody click and the talent on this roster and, you know, seeing the scouting, you know, kind of take place and and what they're doing across the globe to get some of these signings in. And what else is really cool is just to see the league grow. I mean, you've got guys in their prime that want to come here and play that are young and they want to make their mark on this league and they talk to other players that are already in this league and say, what is it about MLS? Why should I come there and play? What is so awesome about this place? And it's attracting more and more talent and bringing the entire level of the league up.
2: So the Western Conference, it's a sprint, 14 games remaining. And yep. just a quick apology to you. I, b- I believe it's your husband, who is uh, the biggest San Jose Earthquakes fan that has ever walked the earth. Uh, <laughs> no, he's
8: not, he's not the biggest Earthquakes fan. I should preface that. He's the biggest Tommy Thompson fan. Oh, okay. Who to play for the Earthquakes, you know, but... It, you know, it's Minnesota United first and, and San Jose Earthquakes a quick second, and I struggle with my daughter who wants to wear, you know, b- both jerseys when Minnesota United plays plays the Earthquakes, but I refuse to get her one of those split jerseys.
2: I understand, and, and I didn't show up to Allianz Field last night, not because I had to take care of my kids, but because I didn't want to encounter your husband for saying <laughs> that the Quakes were m- mightily fraudulent uh, because the team's actually pretty good, and it looks like they have bought into the new coach. Which brings me to. Yeah, my,
4: they,
2: yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, it brings me basically to my final question. Whether it's, it's the Quakes that are in the mix, and, and we talked about this last time I had you on, uh, the Western Conference is a grind. And yeah. it starts with Real Salt Lake this weekend, which happens to be one of those teams with, uh, I think it's Saverino, who's quite the yeah. trick for them. And they, yeah. they can play. And, uh, and this is where, similarly to Montreal, Playoff teams go on the road, and they win, and I think this is one that they should uh, be hopefully getting three points in this weekend.
8: You would hope so, and and I would hope that the confidence of their road success, and particularly um, just having that come-from-behind win in Montreal, and then, of course, starting off the season with a couple Ws, I mean, I think we're, you know, what, third or fourth in the league with road wins on the season, um, and that's a tough task. I mean, everybody talks about how hard it is to win in the road here, but Again, you know, you're going to altitude. Um, Salt Lake hasn't played since last week against Philly, so they're a little bit more rested, and they've got some studs. You mentioned Saberino, Saucedo is another one. And of course, they've still got Kyle Beckerman, like who is was still the test, you know, the test of time. Ageless. And And uh, and Nick Ram- Ramondo as well in goal. So. Just a lot of good pieces to that puzzle, and it's about you know whether whether Mike Petkey can get them playing on the the right way on the right night, and they beat Philly, who is leading the East three nothing last week. So um, it'll be a tough test for Minnesota. United, but this West is crazy. It is literally the wild wild West. L A F C is at the top at the forty six points, but Seattle, L A Galaxy, Minnesota, Salt, or San Jose, Salt Lake, Dallas. I mean, it's anybody's game. And then Houston got crushed last night by. Atlanta 5 nothing SKC still sitting behind, behold, below the line. Portland's got all those home games to wrap up the season, and they're under the line. So it, it's going to be fun, and this is where literally, I know I said it last broadcast, um, but it, it, this is the six-point game where you get the six-point swings and you're taking on Western Conference opponents and it's down the stretch.
2: Indeed. I love what you do. Thanks for giving me time this morning, and enjoy the uh, the sunny training session.
8: All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Nardo.
2: Thank you, Kendra D. St. Aubin. Analyst, Fox Sports North. You can see her on Fox Sports North Plus. I uh, believe the pregame should kick off around 8, 30 p.m. It's a 9 p.m. game Saturday night in Salt Lake. And, uh, and it's an important one to continue, as she mentioned, stretching things out and creating a, uh, a nice cushion as they approach the playoffs in 2019. Minnesota United FC playoff team. I like that. Uh, later in the show, again, Vikings tickets to be given away. It's Scott Korzanowski around 10.55 in studio, and the thing with him today, and, and, and maybe other things come up throughout the conversation, but I want to go heavy on the baseball team in the final hour with him and get his opinions. And opening the show, you know, mentioning the fact that this is an opportunity for the team to show us that winning is indeed on the mind and that using this five-week stretch of 500 balls, surviving injuries, but seeing some leaks, in an otherwise uh, steady-moving ship through the 2019, that this is the time. And so I want to talk to Corzo about that. But next, it's Ben Lieber in studio, and, uh, and football is on my mind with Lieber, among some other things. We'll chat with Lieber around the corner in studio. It's Nordo, in for PA. It's 9 to noon. This is Nordo, in for PA, on the fan. Into the fan.
1: Yeah, this album is dedicated... All the teachers that told me I never
5: it's the 2019 KFAN Summer Road Tour presented by our friends at the Minnesota Lottery. Just say, I'm into summer, and join us when we're in your neck of the woods. Next Monday, the power trip will be in Bemidji, and Bumper to Bumper will be in Moorhead. Summer Road Tour, schedule at KFAN.com, make the keyword events.
1: magazine, something pepper and heavy D up in the hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic Molly I let my tape rock my tape pop way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to
0: as humans we are naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when I was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming. According to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
1: The limelight, cause I run tight. Time to get paid. Blow up like the Weaver. The opposite of a winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner? Peace to raw G, Brucey e. B, Kid Free. Fuck, master, flex, love, bug, star, ski. I'm blowing up like you thought I would. Call a crib, same number, same hood. It's all good. Uh, and if you don't know, now you know,
2: you know. This song's like the bat signal. It means that Ben Lieber is in studio. Normal Thursday guest. And as a matter of fact, what's cool about this is... This is almost like a preview to the Friday football feast in which you'll be hosting tomorrow. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And we are just eight days from Minnesota Vikings training camp. And the, the Minnesota Twins have provided a nice reprieve and a nice summer hangout of sorts. And they're very good. Mm-hmm. We love the Twins. But a week from now, we'll be all about Twin Cities Orthopedic Center in Eagan. And the whole yeah. thing starts over again.
3: I know it all starts, and,
9: and thankfully, you know that you guys always refer to this time period as a sports abyss. And and normally, I feel like in the last few years, it's there's. If you talk about the Twins, it's not positive talk. It's just like, uh, is there a fighting chance that they can pull out of this rut that they're in and actually sneak into the playoffs? And and thankfully, you know, as of out, outside of the last two games where they got their butts kicked, yeah, especially yesterday, I was standing on the Budweiser roof deck when Alonzo hit that home run, and oh,
2: you were there yesterday, yeah.
9: And I, I was, the thing is I I'm kind of kicking myself cause I was getting ready to send a picture. I was sending, I was taking pictures. Um, my brother's a huge Mets fan. And so I was going to take a, I was taking these little photos like, uh, Oh, here, here's a cute little fun photo. Like sky was beautiful whatever. And I wasn't paying attention to who was up. Didn't realize. And I should have had my camera rolling cause I was going to take a video just like of like you know a little panel or something like that. Yeah. And so I didn't do it, even though I was sort of thinking about taking a video, and Alonzo hits this ball, and when it came off the bat, I'm like, that's going to go out of the park. <laughs> I look over to my left, and, and it damn near hits a woman who's not paying attention, not thinking a home run ball is like, ever going to come up to her. Well, you her think second.
2: you're safe when you're yeah. 500 feet away. Yeah.
9: And what they say, 474 or something? Like, yeah. No way, more like 574.
2: It looked like that, man. And off the bounce, and off the bounce counts, by the way. Yeah. Off the bounce, it was five rows, it looked like from leaving the freaking stadium.
9: That was a bomb. And it was so fun to watch, even though it was the other team. But anyway, get back to your point. Um thankfully the twins are are something to talk about and they're a lot of fun to watch and enjoy going to their games. Um and and you laid it out that you know the the Broncos checked into camp yesterday. I think the veterans checked into camp yesterday. Cuz it's um,
2: Broncos and Falcons in the Hall of Fame game, I yeah. believe, so they kick off a week early.
9: Yeah, which is just the worst. I mean, it just makes your season so long and I I get that they Did you ever play in a Hall of Fame game? No. No, I've never been I've never been to Canton. What? Yeah. I I you know, I actually think that this is um an on-air creative meeting and an advice for the NFL PA and the NFL. They always do the rookie symposium in some you know fancy nice weather spot where all the drafted rookies go, and then they
2: South Beach or something South like Beach. That. You know,
9: my rookie year, unfortunately, I, w- I would have loved to have gone, have gone on a plane in San Diego and gone to South Beach or had a different experience, especially being you know 22 years old or something, seeing something I've never seen before. But it was in Del Mar, California, and oh, so our okay. our rookie symposium was. A, a literally a 25-minute a drive from my
2: house. So you just you yeah, didn't need like, the hotel? Yeah.
9: Well, they gave us a hotel. I st- we stayed on on okay. premise. They wanted to keep their tabs and make sure that we're in meetings at certain times and there's breakout sessions at night. Um, so you are there, but sh- I'm like, eh, this it's right down the road. I My suggestion is the Rookie Symposium should be in Canton. Hell yeah. It just should be because, you know, I in the years that I played and I'm 40 years old now, I still never been, you know, and I think if you want to get the... If you want to get the young players inspired to play in the, in the league and, and carry the shield and you know represent the NFL in the best way possible and honor the players of yesteryear, uh, yesteryear I, I think that they should make the Rookie Symposium an annual pilgrimage to the NFL Mecca and not do it at some fancy schmancy South Beach or San Diego destination.
2: Well, I hope they're listening. Because I like that. I like that idea a Well, lot. I
9: think when they heard that you are hosting, they are definitely tuned in. Just like tomorrow when I'm hosting 9 to noon, they will be tuned in.
2: Unless I, unless I have a soccer segment. See, that's, that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. Is the Bradshaw and Bryant booth at KFAN.com inbox blows up for two reasons. Uh, first of all, it's, you know, skies falling, Minnesota Twins. Mm-hmm. Which, um, I think the Twins are helping the Vikings, and I'll get back to that in a minute. Sky is falling, team's out of the playoff race by the trade deadline, no need to make moves, sell off everybody. But then it's, oh, here we are with soccer again. You're shoving soccer down our throats and I won't take it. I'll come back when you get back to real sports. Mm. So it's hard to say if the NFLPA were listening uh, just now. Maybe they were. Back to the Twins, however. Twins doing what they're doing. For a team that I felt a year ago, at this time, came in acting like they were they had already won it all. Mm -hmm. You got the fresh new digs, you know. uh, the The cryo chamber is pretty sweet. Off the thirteen and three, we'll just forget about the title game and move on. We are here. We have arrived, and there was very much a vibe of Super Bowl or bust. Here we are, Mm -hmm. despite the changes. You know, big money to the quarterback and all of that, and it kind of smacked them in the face. Whereas a year later now, we've gone through and we've exhausted the process of how the quarterback needs to be better into year two, but with the Twins doing what they're doing, it's not the day-to-day hammering from a public perception standpoint as there was a year ago.
9: No, not at all. And the best part about where the Twins are at is nobody expected this, at least from the way I understand it. Nobody expected that in this, this year was going to be a, such a huge year. Certainly I don't think anybody could expect the the amount of home runs and the power that's in the lineup. I think there were uh allusions to the fact that there could have been some production, but certainly not the power that they've uh, they've displayed. Um so I think they have that going for them that in you know, a in a way, the fan base is sort of free rolling this team. That hey, we weren't really expecting this. This is awesome, this is fun, let's just enjoy this. I I do think that it's a little it's a little too early for the fans to start saying the sky is falling in it's a it's a long season and every everybody in major league baseball that have any association with it will say it's a long season it's the it's the true marathon not a sprint deal yeah. and there's going to be ups and downs there's going to be bumps in the road you're going to have to you know find ways to replace the chemistry of the team when a guy like Buxton is out who all of a sudden now seems like wow what an important figure not just defensively but the there seems to be now a tangible relationship between the times that he's not playing versus the win loss percentage um so you have to find you have to figure things out that that's, that's yeah. what part of the season is and you know there's going to be rough stretches where maybe you know the starting pitching's not great or you know as of late our middle relief isn't great and you know uh, no team is going to be perfect you know every world season world series team and championship team at the end of the year is going to look back on their on that year and say Wow! Remember that stretch here and there. Remember that adversity we had to overcome. It just makes it all the more sweeter uh, when they actually get in the playoffs. And you know, when it when it gets down to playoff time and and they're losing and slipping, then I could say, all right, sky's falling in. What what a kind of disappointment to the end of the year. Yeah, but I, I think it's it's middle of July. It's middle of July, people. I mean, enjoy the team. Yeah, you don't want to get them. You don't want to see them get slaughtered by a team that is is known this season to give up. A lot of late leads and and sort of they're imploding on themselves and you feel like these are two easy
2: wins. That's your brother's favorite team, by it's the my, way.
9: Yeah, it's my brother's favorite team. So I definitely hear it. Oh and, and he and I were going back and forth. I was, I I sent him a picture of my ticket for the game. Oh, he was so happy. And uh and I said, Yeah, I get to watch your team get slaughtered, you know. And this was this was two days prior to the game. And uh he, he was he he definitely got the better end of the ribbing these last two
2: days. <laughs> Uh, One thing that has just taken the NFL world by storm is, for some reason, madden. Now, this is the first time we've seen this in terms of just absolutely everybody's all over this. Mm -hmm. And it's either a brilliant marketing idea under the covers by EA that we're not aware of, Mm -hmm. or players are legitimately pissed. Mm -hmm. But we've seen it from Keenan Allen to a number of players in the NFL who are either laughing at or ripping their, their particular ratings on a video game. And as a 34-year-old guy that grew up playing Madden, we're kind of in that generation now mm. where everybody in the league, for the most part, that was their game. And by maybe some points of view, a, a status uh, quotient of sorts. So uh, is it a brilliant marketing plan, or are players actually offended by how they are viewed uh, in, uh, in a video game setting? I think there's uh,
9: way too much overreaction and offense take personal offense taken by the players. I think EA has it right. If you if you were to pull every major sports um, NFL beat writer and and even some very high end fans, and you just said, okay, from a non biased perspective, give us give us ninety nine ratings on what you think are the the best players in the NFL, and and go down the line as such, and you put a number starting at 99 all the way down to 50-whatever, on where you think these guys rank. And I think that, they, that most people would say, well, there's only a handful of guys we can give 99s, because then you just dilute the fact that 99 even means something. right? So you, you can only give out a handful of 99s. And then from there, it's like, okay, this guy is, we think, slightly better than this guy, and this guy might be a 92, and he might be a 91. I think they, they are pretty accurate when it comes to how the general public feels about these players and i get that there's egos involved and players uh you know have to use other players as barometers for their own success but man by and large this this i do think it's real that these guys are putting out on social media that they really are upset that their madden rating is lower than they think they're slightly delusional they're they're not they're not looking at it from a personal branding standpoint. of like, Oh, this is going to get me some attention. I think they're really pissed. I think they're really butthurt that EA sports and, and whoever their metrics, people are internally at EA sports. I'm going to stereotype and think that, you know, there are some computer nerds that are trying to figure this out. And they've got some great advice from some sports people, but they're probably looking at them like, Oh, they don't know what they're talking about. They're just yeah. a bunch of idiots. They're just a bunch of nerds making a video game. You know, I should be rated to hire this like no, Keenan Allen, you're a really good player, but what do you you think that you're the best receiver in the game? right? No, you're not. Hmm. like you can tell yourself that to motivate yourself, but to put it out there and really tell the public, I think I'm the best receiver in the game. I mean, you're delusional. Yeah. you just are and I think it's you're you're doing yourself a disservice by by personally ranting that you think your EA Sports Madden Radio should or a Madden football game should be higher than it
2: is. Well, this puts you in a predicament because Ben Lieber in studio, another segment around the corner. I have uncovered the Madden ratings for Madden 11, which was into the 2010 season, yep. which was following that glorious run in 2009 that ended down in the Bayou. That's where we're headed for the first preseason game, by the way.
9: Yes, excited for that.
2: When we come back, I have uh, ratings of the 2010 Vikings team, and I would like to hear Ben Lieber's thoughts on it, that and, uh, and much more football with Ben Lieber. It's Nordo in for PA. You're listening to The Fan. This is Nordo in for PA
5: on The Fan. Get in on the Memorial Blood Center Blood Drive. Donate blood for those in need with our friends at CARE 11 in Golden Valley on Tuesday, July 23rd from 1 to 7 p.m. Go to mbc.org for more information.
2: About 20 minutes from now, we will have Scott Korzanowski in studio. Corzo in the mix with me. For most of the final hour, looking forward to chatting Twins baseball with him, Joe totally totally pulled out of one of my favorite songs by one of my favorite band. There we go, okay. Just, we can ease out of it, Joe. Ben Lieber in studio with me for another segment, and as I mentioned before the break, Madden ratings kind of all abuzz buzz right now, and I was always curious, Ben Lieber, who played uh, basically the same Anthony Barr. You played the Anthony Bar spot. In yeah. Four three defense. Yep. And a long time ago, a couple of years ago, I did deep dive analysis and I proved that Ben Lieber, statistically, you did. was more productive defensively during his first four seasons with the Vikings than Anthony Barr. You did. And and the thing is, I never would have ever guessed that. You didn't ask you didn't no. ask for that. You would never you would never say that yourself. No. I went out on your behalf. Uh, to champion your cause. Yeah, I appreciate that. Now, in terms of Madden and Electronic Arts, they may see things differently. I found the uh, the Madden ratings for the 2010 Vikings, fresh off the 12 and four season, whooping that ass against Dallas. Head down to New Orleans. We know how that ended. Pass interference call and everything aside, we've all moved on. Yeah, we've all moved on. Yeah, okay, perfect. Yeah. Uh, Tavares Jackson was a 71 into the 2010. Okay. Sage Rosenfeld's a 69 at the quarterback position. Okay. Feels a little high in that area, but we'll see. Uh, Brett Favre, despite the fact that he had informed the team to retire, he was given a rating of 92. <laughs>
6: That's great.
2: I
9: was going to say Brett Favre, 92. I, I, I think out of respect, you have to give him at least into
2: the 90s. Yeah, yeah. I mean that was an you know that was an HOF gift. Yeah, that was certainly for Favre. Uh, some obvious ones among the running backs: Adrian Peterson. You know, he's entering his fourth uh one seventy nine his fourth season, he was a ninety eight. Toby Gerhardt, God bless his heart, he was a seventy one. Move on from that. This one surprised me. Sidney Rice now, post oh nine season. Yeah. We loved terrific, that year. And yeah. he was rated a ninety. Offensive rookie of the year, I believe, in two thousand nine, Percy Harvin, an eighty four yeah. in Madden following the 0-9. Yeah, that that
9: one, I would if I were Percy, I would say he has a legit complaint that he was not rated higher.
2: I mean, if the, if this would have been a thing as of August 2010, Percy would have been on Twitter shooting a Keenan Allen like video. Yeah, what does a guy have to do to get some love around here after yep. that rookie season? Wide receivers, okay. Bernard Barryan, seventy five. That's fine. Greg Lewis. In fairness, I mean, you give him a 99 for the catch yeah. week three against 49ers. the Niners, but overall you give him a 66. So God bless Greg Lewis. Thanks for everything you do. Jimmy Saucer. late stages of his career, still a 74. Still it's doing good. it as a, as a fullback yeah. uh, tight end combo. I like it. The beard and all. Vasante Shanko, an 86. Oh, uh, yeah. What do you have, eight or nine touchdowns, I think, at the hands of Favre and O nine? Is that why? Is that that's probably? Why. I feel like yeah. these are a little. I feel bit like propped up. By, I feel like
9: that's a little high for him based on his true athletic ability.
2: Now, I actually I asked you during this uh, during the break getting to uh, get into the offensive line. Bryant McKinney for me very enigmatic, and you've been around all kinds of players for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Guys with fantastic talent, when they wanted to use it, mm-hmm. had to be poked and prodded and maybe off field meant more with the money than you know on the field success but he was a 90 and i think that actually felt right mckinney when on was unbelievable mckinney when he was on was i guess sc- that's the caveat
9: was scary good yeah he he just he moved well his once he latched onto you with his hands he 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 just didn't let go and he could still make the best of the best um but you know I, I, I led with when he wants to be on it yeah. was it was always sort of a struggle and I, and I didn't I had limited knowledge and I'm always hearing kind of secondhand as a defensive player what's going on offensively but you know it, it seemed like more often than not they're they're trying to come up with creative ways to keep him motivated. And I'm like, <laughs> you're a highly paid guy. you've got all this athletic talent and the professional coaches are having to like motivate an adult man. Yeah. on his job. Like at some point in time, he's like, all right, you either figure it out or you don't.
2: Did you ever have to in practice or otherwise, you're mugging the gap, you're blitzing, and did you go head to head with Hutch ever? Yes. Yeah,
9: Hutch. He was I, a ninety seven. He he and I would go against each other a lot because that the way right handed formations are set with right handed quarterbacks, a lot of times it'd be the tight end goes to the offensive right, in which so defensively I'd go opposite the tight end. And so that meant I was on the left side of the offensive line. Yeah. So it was McKinney, and it was it was a Hutch that on a lot of running plays, <laughs> those big meatheads were coming right at me. <laughs> so yeah,
2: a uh, a younger, more spry John Sullivan was a seventy-seven. Uh, Anthony Herrera a seventy got a little loose on the right side of things uh, for the Vikings moving company. Post did they
9: have? Did not. they have post play animation as a rating? Because Anthony Herrera might be the best. He might be the best description of a guy that just man. If he was excited about a play, he would just his arms would be flailing. He was high stepping. He was <laughs> like he was animated about every every big run that happened. Did he ever game. get his roll on? I don't think he ever got his roll on, oh, but okay. he was fist pumping. He was you know,
2: arms in the air. Yeah, he was excited. I love that. Uh, moving on from the O-line defensive line, some guys you played with. Uh, eventual boxer, I believe, Ray Edwards. Yeah, whatever happened with that? was an 85. I don't think it went well, to be yeah. honest with you. I think when
9: that guy took that horrible, horrible flop, it just sort of ruined his credibility.
2: Yeah, may have. Uh, he's grown since then an Everson Griffin. A yeah. young Everson Griffin entering his rookie year 2010. He was a 70. So he certainly improved. Uh, the Williams wall. I used to, uh, prior to radio, I'd be driving around at Dinah, going to job sites periodically, mm-hmm. and he had this cherry red convertible Impala. Yeah. Did you ever see the Pat Williams yeah. convertible? I think it's an Impala. Yeah. It was one of the most beautiful cars I had ever seen. And despite the fact that this car was very large in size, watching him getting in and out of that thing was a sight to be seen. Uh, how cool was that Williams wall?
9: Oh, it was the best. It was the best. It was a and sort of like a perfect married couple. I think I think opposites attract in that regard. And when they they walked around like a married couple, they were always together. You didn't see one without the other. And Kevin was super quiet, very reserved, and Pat's just just nonstop yeah. verbal diarrhea about whatever's going on. <laughs> Usually, it's a bitch or a complaint and. <laughs> And stick, He's just like. Motor mouth. Motor mouth, stuttering around, just like he he get his his brain would move too fast for his mouth, and he was always talking. Like, he was (laughs)
2: hilarious. He was an 88, and that was late stages of his career as well. Uh, Looking down the line, Jared Allen, he was a 99. B-Rob, come on. Fourth year out of Texas, only a 69? B-Rob needed more time and more seasoning.
9: I'm going to tell you this much. Jared Allen would have loved to have been rated sixty nine.
2: Yes, he would have.
9: He would have loved that. He would have embraced it. He was if Madden came out and said, You, you know, he 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 goes out and has twenty two sacks or something, Madden comes back the next year and like, yep, you're a sixty-nine. But but if but if in the in the game they actually gave him the skill of a ninety nine, that that would have been perfect because he would have eaten that up yeah. if he was a ninety or a sixty-nine rating.
2: To the linebackers. Oh geez. I believe you were a starting linebacker. Is that accurate?
9: Yeah. That's, okay. that's what they tell me.
2: <laughs> uh, Chad Greenway, he was an 88. What do you think about that? Triple-digit tackles. Yeah, it's pretty good. A couple of sacks here and there. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's not that's not bad. Yeah. E.J. Henderson in 85. Does that feel about right? Yeah, that feels about right. Yeah. E.J. Henderson, a thumper, great player. Yeah. Things kind of changed with that, uh, man, that Arizona game with the leg. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, God bless EJ. His brother Aaron was a 62. He meant that's actually the lowest rating on the team. God bless Aaron Henderson. Okay. To Ben Lieber. Okay, so Chad was 88 and EJ was 85. Again, a guy that statistically outperformed Anthony Barr the first four seasons he was in Minnesota. 80? (gasps)
9: Yeah, I was going to say
3: 82.
9: 80? Yeah. I'll take a B-. minus. You know, I... That's definitely, you know, passing, and, you know, I definitely had flaws in my game. Um, I was not an every down player. That's fine. Okay. That's fine. I'm, it seems a little low. I think it's a little low. I, th- I think it's a little low. I, I would have put myself at, like, 84. You know, if EJ's 85, I would say that I was probably an 84. You know, I wasn't a thumper like EJ. He was much tougher than I was. But I felt like I had a little bit more athleticism in the, than him. A little more. And your uh,
2: instincts were there.
9: I don't know, man. EJ, EJ was legit in, instincts. Well, so. I'm trying to build you. I up. know, but I'm just, I'm being honest. I'm being honest. I think I would have been an eighty-four. All
2: right,
9: but I've not. I would not if if social media was a thing back then. I I would not have gone on social media and and bitched and complained.
2: Antoine Winfield, eighty-eight. I think that makes sense. I think
9: that's actually a little low, but. I think he I think, I think he's I think he's a 90 player.
2: I I I'd, I'd probably agree with you actually. Uh th- no reason to talk about the safeties when it's God bless him Medea Williams, Hussein Abdullah, Tyrell Johnson, Jamarka Sanford. Wow, what a group. Chris Cluey was 60, that probably didn't face him at all. Ryan Longwell 92. Longwell was um, a
9: 92, huh? Yeah, he was. That's pretty good. So, I did, I I guess after the the 60 from Clue I just thought that maybe they just put
2: specialists in a certain another grouping or something but 92 that's hell good his ratings are higher than his uh than his golf score let's uh finishing up here are you an apprehension guy or an anticipation guy because again we've spent the last 4 months pre and post draft and it's just it's it's two or three exhausting topics about improving on the eight seven and one mm-hmm. for me, and I just look at it purely apprehension or anticipation, positive or negative uh looking forward to this group coming back together and indeed improving on last year's marginal state of existence
9: i'm I'm very much positive on this on this whole thing and i and I think that what's the fun in a fan if you go into the season on a negative then then you're you're almost self-fulfilling and hoping that they, they do bad, just so you can say, like, see, told you. Yeah. They weren't going to be very good, and here's the reasons why, and it just worked out, and they want to get this credit for being this. Wow, you're such a great football mind, and you really know the Vikings, and you really know the NFL. You know, unless you're getting paid for that, I, I don't think that the, you have to look at that critically. If you're a fan, why not be positive? And first and foremost, I want to look at this as, as a fan, and, and I'm I'm very positive about this team. I look at their schedule and I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be undefeated at home. Um, I have them going 11 and five, and and barring any sort of, you know, major injury changes and and all that stuff, that you know, they have the capabilities of being an 11 and five football team. Um, You know, obviously having the five losses, there could be some tough you know tough games in Kansas City and Dallas and. And, um, you know, they've got some tough road games. Every season there's tough games out ahead of the team. And they've got a great running game. They've got a quarterback that I believe in. They've got an offensive coordinator that I believe in. An offensive line that already on paper I think looks better. Um, the defense, I don't worry about at all. Yes, there's some question marks. You know, secondary, can our secondary hold up through injury, through suspension? Uh, can Xavier up his game to play at the level that his contract is, is demanding? Um, can our defensive front can Linval play better? I, I don't think that we talk enough about that. You know, I, we, had
2: a bad second half. I think
9: I don't think Linval played a very good 2018 season, and you know I don't know what contributed to that. I, I felt like, especially as you, as you just said in the second half of the season, I felt like he was catching a lot of blocks. I don't think that he was being the aggressor.
2: What if he was still tired from that fumble return
9: touchdown? It could so have like? been. Could have been big man moving, you know. He was gassed. Yeah, he was oh gassed. my god! Get him an oxygen mask, and I think they did. not wasn't, wasn't that sunglasses and oxygen mask? Wasn't that the? the yeah, that's the, the mean picture. Yeah, that
2: Darth Vader out there.
9: Yeah, so I think that even even the defensive line has to step up their game and be more consistent and be and just taking it to them a little bit more. And so, is this team without question marks? No, of course they got question marks. Every team has question marks. Every you know, going back to my my comment about the twins and and whoever wins the World Series, the the Patriots every year that they win have question marks. You know, is their defense that good? Can they stop the pass? Can they do that? You know, Brady's aging. You know, they lost a, a wide receiver. Can they compensate there? Is their running game good enough to complement their passing game? Of course, they've got question marks. So, this team has its faults. They're gonna have to battle through that. They're gonna have to deal with injuries throughout the season. They'll have to deal with that. But as it is on paper. July eighteenth, I think they're an eleven and five football team, and I've and I'm very confident and very bullish on this team.
2: I love it. You're hosting nine to noon tomorrow. I will be here with you, and I know as of now, Reggie Bush will be yeah. joining the show around eleven a.m. Mike Florio at Pro Football talk nine thirty five ish, and uh, anything else on the docket? Well, we've got
9: uh, right now. I'm still working on some guys. Justin Konzimius is going to come in and talk a little go for football, a little yeah. college football. I've I've really gotten to respect his. Uh, I mean, he he texted me the other day, uh, maybe a, uh, two weeks ago or something. He's like, "Hey, I'm I'm watching. I think it was uh He's like, I'm watching your, your Nebraska Iowa game from last year. It's on Big Big Ten Network, and and I'm like, what the hell are you doing watching Big Ten football right now in early parts of July? And he just responds back, he's like, I love it, and I'm like, I know you do. It's king I, of the ropes. I, yeah, I I guess you do. So. Um you know we 'll talk uh, kind of state of the gophers with him you know we 'll just kind of rip on high level college football stuff as we get ramped up for that because you know i'm i'm still getting my my brain wrapped around all the different conferences and storylines there so we 'll get into a little bit of college football tomorrow with him i'm still working on some guys trying to get some guys from just the n f c north uh some some friends of mine that I know to get them on just to talk about their respective teams so it's in the works, but right now, 11 it's gonna o'clock. It's going
2: to be a true football feast. Yeah, it'll be a football be.
9: feast, and you've got some stuff laid out. You've already put some prep and work in, so I appreciate that. And um, But, yeah, right now we've got, we've got Heisman Trophy winner uh, Reggie Bush will be on at 11 o'clock.
2: Let's party, man. Thanks for hanging out. All right, thank you, man. At Nacho Lieber on Twitter, of course. That's Ben Lieber hosting 9 to noon tomorrow. Final hour, we're going to jump back to the baseball team. It's Corzo in studio with me. Vikings tickets to be giveaway. away. Final hour, 9 to noon, around the corner. It's the fan.
4: Ah, the sounds of summer in Minnesota. But now, the days are getting shorter. And the sounds are getting louder. Vikings football is coming this month to The the fan.
5: Planning on heading out to TCO for Vikings training camp. We're broadcasting live there throughout camp, presented by our friends at the Minnesota Lottery. Say, I'm into summer. And also stop by our booth on the plaza to find out how you can win awesome prizes from the Minnesota Lottery.
2: Been informed that producer Joe Perovich indeed does have a trivia question, and uh, we will unleash that on you shortly. For Vikings preseason tickets, as you heard with Ben Lieber in studio last couple of segments, it's a week from tomorrow, Vikings training camp underway, and single game tickets for the Vikings 2019 schedule are on sale today. So get to Vikings.com and pick and choose, hopefully, uh, when you want to visit U.S. Bank Stadium. But I got a pair of tickets. For a preseason game, let you go for free. So stay tuned for that. Joining me now, Scott Korzanowski, the barrister in studio. Right. You, you typically hear him on Thursdays when PA is here. Uh, PA on vacation, vocal maintenance leading up to the big jump for Viking season. Right. Uh, but you were nice enough to join me. I appreciate you giving me time today, sir.
7: All hell was breaking loose at work, but I'll get back there. i <laughs> will see what goes on. <laughs> Speaking, but of about- I am heading to the golf course later today. So yeah, it's not. I'm not grinding that much today. Speaking of all
2: hell getting uh, breaking loose, you know we can get to the baseball team in a moment, but prior to coming in, we were talking about the, the Open Championship that's yeah. taking place right now, and you mentioned uh, former Maroon and Gold, Eric Van Ruin, yeah. uh, actually outperforming maybe a lot of people's yeah. expectations. He's 2-under right now. Yeah,
7: and he has been very good in the majors. I, I don't remember exactly, but he was like top 10, I think, at Pebble, and, and I think he was did really well at the PGA. I think he's a South African. He's he's a he's a very good player. In fact, I was reading some. I used to get into all these golf pools, and i I pretty much just sworn off golf pools. And the yeah. reason is, even though every time I join one, it's twenty bucks. When you haven't won any money for like ten years, I'm going. I think that money can be better spent somewhere else. So I'm pretty much have sworn off them. But I was reading, and, and people, uh, golf digest guys or whatever, we were talking about sleepers, and he was one of the guys that that a couple of them mentioned. I mean, I don't know much about him other than he played for the Gophers, and he's South African, but he's a very good player, so he's doing well. But how about Rory? So that's what I was going to get to. Yeah, Rory starts with a quad. Uh, he bogeys the third hole to go five over, uh, and then he fought it back to three over, and then he finishes double bogey on 16, par on 17, double bogey on 18, he sh- or triple bogey on 18. He shoots a smooth nine over 80. on And, and I really feel, see it, how do you feel sorry for Rory? Right, I mean the guy's got, you know, he hits it further than just about anybody on tour. He's, he's, he's one. He just, is, he's just the Masters away from a career Grand Slam. He's got four majors. I mean, he's got a great life, right? But you know, Northern Ireland, which is where he's from, and this is a course he grew up playing, and it's only the first. It's only the second Open Championship in history to be in Northern Ireland. The other one yeah. was on the same course in 1951, and he's the adopted son. And to come out on the first hole and make an eight has just got to be crushing. To it absolutely. I mean, and I'm sure that had something. I'm sure it just the, it just gets to you. It shows you even the guys that are all of us that play golf and we have a two dollar bet and we melt down and throw up on ourselves. But even <laughs> the best guys in the world do it. I they mean, do that, it. that's how hard that the best guy in the world, Rory McIlroy, today made a quad and a triple on a course he's been playing since he was ten years old.
2: Well, amazing. And the intriguing thing with Rory because you know bringing it up and you know. My home course was Terrace View, a nine-hole course down in Mankato, Minnesota. So different perspectives on the sport in general. But this is a kid, and it, the, the question has always been, and maybe it still looms. Despite Brooks Kepka, I think tied for the lead at four under. Uh, Shane Lowry in the mix. Tiger was just on the screen, but Rory wins four majors. I think in about a three-year period. It was like 20- four
7: four majors in. Eight total, I think in nine total majors, there he missed go. one because yeah. he missed the Masters one year. But in an eight, in an eight year, in an eight major run or nine major run, run he won four of them, forty four percent. I can do the math. Fifty percent that he played in, yeah, pretty amazing.
2: And so the 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 constant obsession that's taken place over the last decade: when's Tiger going to play? When's he going to be good again? You've had these moments where Jordan Spieth has enjoyed a bit of that over yep. the last three years. But Rory was one of those first guys yes. where it's like. No Tiger, no problem, okay? We still got Lefty, and now this kid from across the pond is taking the world by storm. And now since 2014, the last yep. time I think he won, uh, you've seen that drift off. And, and that's kind of one of several uh, individuals that really hasn't taken it by the horns over the last handful of years. It is.
7: It just shows you that golf is it's the, the complete package. Because when you talk about driving the ball, Rory's, Rory and DJ are the two best but Rory's had a lot of problems putting at, a, at the level that you need to putt to win major tournaments, or any tournaments, really. This year, this tournament, though, obviously wasn't the putting, wasn't the problem, when on the first hole he's hit an iron off the tee and he hooks it out of bounds, and the next one he puts in the left rough again, and then he snipes one into the rough on his third. I mean, he, he hit the ball just awful on that hole. I don't know how he went double bogey, triple bogey on two of his last three holes, but that can't just be putting. Obviously, you're not going to make a triple bogey by just putting. So Rory, just the pressure can get to you. You know, I think he just felt too much. I think the pressure gets to Rory a little bit. You know, remember remember when he was leading in August and he made what an 8, a number 10? Yeah. I think when he when he almost put it in the Butler cabin. I mean, he he when Tiger at his strength, it's amazing how he just never buckled under pressure and the same goes for Brooks Kepka. He doesn't buckle under pressure. He might not win, but he ain't going to buckle under pressure. You know <laughs> that.
2: Scott Korzanowski in studio, follow him on Twitter, S Corzo 60-K-O-R-Z-O. And, of course, Sunday mornings, wake up, fresh cup of coffee, reading the paper. Big opinions from Mr. Corzo on Sundays at 8 a.m. right here on the fan. You know, buckling under pressure, and maybe that's the case or otherwise. But when you watch a team like the Minnesota Twins in really kind of from June to now, it's, it's a weird vibe where 20 and 18 since June. Okay, well, then that's above 500. But they, they really set their own mammoth expectations, and the offense is working. And really, they're starting to see some cracks in whatever game plan that they had, with uh, specifically with the bullpen and uh, some of these ongoing problems that seem to creep up here over the last yeah, month.
7: Yeah, you know, they were 40 and 18. Uh, and since then, I think they're maybe, I don't know, maybe 18 and 19, 20, you know, wherever you look at it. They basically played 500 since then. And at the start of the year, when I was so confident the Twins were going to win the division, the main there's two reasons one I think I think the twins are going to win 90 plus games this year I mean I, I there's no doubt about that you know they're on a pace to win 108 for a while but but they're going to win 90 plus games the the thing that's really surprised me is how good Cleveland has been they're like 24 and 10 in their last 34 games where the twins have gone like 17 and 17 and I just didn't see anything out of Cleveland especially when Cory Klu- when Cory Kluber's hurt and, and of course Carrasco is it Carrasco the pitcher who has leukemia yes uh, and, and I read a bit in the Atlantic. Or the athletic and talking about how their young pitchers are really coming up, and then it was one of the reasons the Twins got Falvey was because he was in that Cleveland organization who knows how to develop pitchers, and I think we have to look at the bright side on the Twins. Their starting pitching staff, when we looked at it at the start of the year, you know, we knew Barrios was pretty good, and we knew Gibson was solid, and Odorizzi was eh, and then you're playing, P- then you're starting Pineda and Perez. But the Twins' starting staff has been amongst the top five or six in baseball. So whatever Falvey Levine are doing. Cleveland's kind of doing that well with the guys that are coming up, the young guys that are coming up, and now they're starting to hit. And so I'm just really surprised Cleveland is this good. I'm not that surprised that the Twins have hit a bump in the road, but it's, 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 it's going to get ugly. It's going to get worse before it gets better. I mean, the Twins' next seven games against the two hottest teams in the American League, the Athletics and the Yankees, and uh, the Cleveland continues their, their bum tour as they play more with the Tigers and more with the Royals and more with the Blue Jays. They're playing three of the worst teams in the league in their next ten games and the Twins are playing their next seven games against maybe the two hottest teams in the American League, I, I fully anticipate at the end of this stretch it's going to be about a dead heat. you know. And, and then the Twins are going to have to get themselves back together and go forward. I do have a couple comments. One, the difference of Byron Buxton not in the lineup, I don't know if you've seen a bunch of people have tweeted on this, Phil Miller, who I've had on. They're now 6-13 in games he hasn't started yep. or played in. I mean, he makes, and we've seen some of the outfield foibles with him not in there. Even if he never gets a hit, he's he's important, and he's now... In the concussion protocol, you know, probably won't play the rest of this homestand. Who knows how long that'll go? As Twins fans, we know, right? You get, yeah, we know Corey Koski, we know Justin Morneau. Their careers basically were ended because of concussions. Joe Mowers was significantly derailed because of it. Had to change position. Yes. Uh, so you you know that is really scary, and it's just scary for him as a young man that he has to deal with that. And but the one comment I want to make, and this is all for all sports fans, Trevor May has served up two bad gopher balls in his last two outings. And the classic one against Cleveland, when they're up three to two in Game Three, that would have put the Twins up eight and a half. And Jack Morris says, "If you throw a curveball here, throw it in the dirt." And as soon as he hung it, you know Morris was saying, "Oh no!" Before the guy hit it, yeah. And then he did it again yesterday, and people just scorch him on Twitter. You know what? If you follow Trevor Man Twitter. He seems like a wonderful guy. I've heard him interviewed. He he doesn't want to serve up those gopher balls. He's upset. Don't take it personally. Don't attack a guy personally. I he mean, likes really.
2: video games and baseball. Yeah,
7: yeah, yeah. He owns like some sort of a video company or something. I think I've heard him on with PA. Uh, but but don't attack the guy personally. You think yeah. he's out there saying, you know what? I'm going to just ruin the Twins fans today by serving. This is his career. He's trying to do it. He just made two mistakes that, that cost the Twins perhaps two games.
2: Well, you've and and I've seen even recently and given your craft and the fact that there are, there aren't many conversations i feel like in the time that i've gotten to know you a little bit coming in nine to noon there aren't a ton of conversations that you aren't interested in participating in <laughs> if it's handed to you on a silver platter with an opportunity to talk about it social media can be a cesspool it is and an infinite black hole but it is a pseudo anonymous opportunity and uh, for people to basically just dive deep into the comment section, Yep. Um, it is ridiculous that people would either tag a person or go down the road negativity as individuals, yeah you know whether it's whether it 's they didn 't like your opinion on the eight you went you went long on something on your eight a m show and suddenly you're you 're an awful human being right. I had a soccer segment earlier in the show. Therefore, I should be fired and and should oh, never yeah. work again. It's the 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 volatility and the negativity spewed out from a keyboard or fat fingers on a phone is is very disheartening. And when you when you take shots at a guy who, by the way, he's a he's an average reliever, right?
7: And he's got good stuff. He, he's he's had a lot of injury problems. You know, he's he's not a finish. He's approaching thirty, but he's got. You know, you watch his stuff. Trevor May's got good stuff, but he's he's not really comfortable, I think, as a reliever to the extent that you'd want him to be. And, you know, Baldelli, he has to use him because he's got good stuff. But, yeah, you're right.
2: Well, based on the trends, uh, it was back-to-back bad outings in April. It was back-to-back bad outings in May. uh, Split up a little bit in June. And then now back-to-back in July. It's like he goes, He's he's got a particular point in the calendar where things just ain't working. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So maybe it was Fortnite, maybe, you know, who knows what happens in people's personal lives, uh, but a couple of times a month, his stuff's very, very hittable. Yeah, well, that, mean, that means we should be set for the
7: rest of July. Yeah, we should be. We should be. We hope so. But to go back to your point, I, look, when I'm on the radio or I have comments on Twitter, I expect people to come after me. I have no problem with it. One of my rules is social media, and I'm not going to say that I've never broken it because I'm you know nobody's perfect but i attack people for what for their views on things not their
2: character not i
7: if somebody disagrees with me on something i will address their their ideas and say i think your idea is stupid and here's why i think you're ignorant and ignorant just means you don't understand the topic it, it doesn't mean you're it, i'm ignorant we're all ignorant about a lot of things i like to say this i'm ignorant about changing the oil in my car I have no idea how to do it okay uh, I I did it back in the day, but oh, yeah. I haven't done it since. I would I wouldn't even know where to pour the oil. Okay, I'm ignorant on that topic. So people, so when I call somebody ignorant on the topic, I'm just saying you don't know what you're talking about. I'm not saying you're stupid or an idiot, or or you're garbage. Or I'm not going to say that. One, I don't know these people. Okay, I don't know them, but. In today's culture, that's, you know, Trump is leading the charge. And whether you know I'll get all sorts of stuff, Trump calls people names. He doesn't. I saw <laughs> Joe Soucheri, who's a very right-wing conservative over yes. at the station, he used to work at. I probably disagree with everything Joe says politically. Our political viewpoints could not be more different. I love Joe. Okay, I really like Joe. And Joe had a tweet today, and he said, you know, he says, I can never defend Telling Ilna Omar to go back to her country. Right. To attack her ideas if you don't like her ideas. That's a good and Joe example. doesn't like her ideas. Yeah. Joe would never vote for her. But don't attack her right to be in this country or her as a person. And, and that isn't how it's done nowadays. It's If you disagree with somebody, you're a moron. You're an idiot. You're garbage. I mean, you know. And when I see people do that, I just kind of go past it. it just, I'm not going to, because I know that's how people are. And they're angry, and I feel sorry for them.
2: Well, and everyone's mad, and it's becoming more and more difficult to associate yourself with either side of the it is. the political spectrum at this stage. Uh, when we come back with Corzo in studio, we will continue down the road of baseball and uh, and get some more opinions uh, from the house barrister. And it's Nordo in for PA nine to noon. Don't go away.
4: This is Nordo
5: in for PA on the fan. The fan. Vikings single-game tickets are on sale today. Get your tickets online at Vikings.com and listen to the fan today and tomorrow for several chances to win a pair of preseason tickets to see the Vikings host the Seahawks on August 18th. And we have a trivia question right now, actually, for this show. Here it is. It's for the giveaway. It's for the giveaway, yes. This is exciting. Can I win it? Well, if you can answer correctly. All right, we'll see. In last season's Week 14 game at Seattle, a 21 to seven loss for Minnesota, which Vikings defensive player recorded the game's only interception by either team?
2: Jeez, I mean, the only thing I'm thinking about is the uh, the hopping the center gate, no yep. yeah, line right. contact. Yep. Maybe that was Bobby well, Wagner
7: what, or Frank Clark. What I remember about that game is that is that uh, all Kirk Cousins would do is he'd go back to pass, panic, and check off time after time after time after time. Uh, I, I could have sworn I was watching Sam Bradford was that's it what, was what, it
2: the Seattle game where
0: Kirk actually threw the ball back
2: backwards and it was Latavius <laughs> Murray on the quick twitch who was luckily looking at <laughs> well, the time. You know Kirk did that a couple times
7: or oh, he threw it back.
2: <laughs> Scott Korzanowski in studio with me a couple more segments nine to noon and at least one more uh, with the house lawyer here at 8 a.m. on Sundays right here on the fan and then of course typically on Thursdays 11 a.m. hour he'll hop in studio with PA and today's with me. Um, breaking away from the Minnesota Twins for a moment and we saw this during the break. And you're uh, you're a Wolves fan, correct? Yes. Or at least you know
7: I'm a, a Wolves. I'm, I'm I've got two real sicknesses in my life, or probably more. But is golf and the Wolves. I I can't get away from either one of them. I'm obsessed with both of them. We are all masochists in our yeah. own way. And I'm not world. a very good golfer. And the Wolves have been one of the worst organizations for 40, what, 30 years in the NBA. So yeah, it's it's torture. But so, yeah.
2: So they had an opportunity at the illustrious summer league title. Yeah, and they I think did. They lost in very close fashion after a stunning comeback to the Memphis Grizzlies. Best of luck in the regular season to both teams. But uh, this news coming out slated originally for a two way contract. Yep. Yeah. Undrafted rookie. I think he went on, went to LSU. LSU. Yep. Okay. Nas Reed turned enough heads where now he's actually he's in the mix. He's on the team. Apparently, in the 2019.
7: Saw, yeah. Johnny K tweeted that they gave him a two. They're going to give him a multi year deal, which is unusual for for someone that was taken and not drafted at all, or so anybody taken after the first round. Uh, and it's a great opportunity because you can get him cheap. You can you can lock him up for a couple of years, and then if he blows up. You remember probably the most famous guy. This happened to Gilbert Arenas. Does that name ring a bell with you? Gilbert Arenas was like so. an early second round draft pick, and they yep. signed him to like a three year deal, and he became huge, and he blew up and became an all star, and all of a sudden he was he became a free agent very early because he only signed like a two year deal, and he cashed in early. So I mean, if you can blow up like you know Draymond Green blew up, and I'm not saying Nasreed is going to be. Well, Gilbert Arenas once did point a gun at one of his teammates where they were playing a card game, so he had that going for him. Didn't
2: but, that precipitate his, the kind of the
7: end of yeah, the NBA career? He was but but Nas Reed, I, I gotta say I didn't watch really any summer league. I I'm not I don't watch preseason NFL football. I don't You're about watch games he, that matter. I'm about games that matter. I mean, I, I may watch a Vikings game if I'm sitting around with nothing else to do before I do something else. It's not appointment viewing for me, okay? But But Nas Reed is is he's an intriguing guy because he's big and he's and he's a really good three point shooter. Yeah, and you know I think there's other things he needs to work on, but he was probably as good a player as they had in the summer league, and he kind of shined in the summer league, and so that was a good good stop and a good signing by the Wolves.
2: And I and I saw that you know Saunders even mentioned it himself that he was happy to see because in the summer league you saw a hell of a lot more three point shooting in general for a Wolves team that has in recent times been very starved of what. Three point shooting, yep. and so that's a good thing. Now into the 2019, and and you've watched this, and you haven't been in studio for a while. You know, we we continue. It's it's year to year, the same old story. Stars moving from destination to destination. Super teams, dynamic duos, big threes, etc. And the Timberwolves have taken their shots, and they have missed said shots.
7: Yes, but I like what Gilbert, what Gerson Ross has is doing. He He tried to, and again, who knows if Darius Garland is going to be a great player. I have no idea, but Rosas thought he was going to be, so he went after him, didn't get him. Uh, He thought that D'Angelo Russell is going to be a really good player, went after him, didn't get him, although it's certainly possible that he might be available either later this year or early next year. There's a lot of talk that uh, you know, essentially the Warriors use him as a placeholder to hold that salary slot, and that when Klay Thompson gets back, they'll be looking to move him. Uh, and, and they might get some assets for that. So it, it's not like D'Angelo Russell might not end up here someday, but he's not going to be here this year. And so now what Gerson Rosas has done is he's brought in a bunch of young, kind of under-the-radar guys, all who have really good advanced uh, numbers, win shares, true shooting percentages. He's finding low-priced guys who are young, who weren't really given a chance, and let's see if any of them blossom. So to me, what I've said Gerson Rosas is doing the first thing he was doing was big game hunting, and he's, he's still doing big game hunting. He's you know, he's looking for that second superstar to put next to Kat, because it ain't Wiggins and he knows it. But in the meantime, he took two shots, didn't get it. Okay, we're not going to get a second superstar this year. Let's do, I call it mining for gold. He's he's signed what, what, Jake Lehman, he signed Noah Vonley, he drafted Jared Culver, now he gets Nas Reed. He's got four or five young guys. He's got Shabazz Napier, he's got another guy, Trevion Graham, all these young guys. He brings them in. They're not costing the Wolves a lot of money. They're not, not under long-term contracts. They're all generally younger players. Let's see if one of these guys can can become somebody, can become the next Robert Covington, can become the next Dinwiddie, can become the next Draymond Green, can become a low-drafted guy who becomes good. And if not, no, no harm, no foul. But I actually think if Covington is healthy this year... I. And I see both Vegas and five thirty eight agree with me. I think the Wolves are going to be around five hundred because I think they're going to have eight or nine good players. Yeah, one superstar and eight or nine athletic good players. They're not going to make the playoffs in the West, but I think it could be. I think it could be fun to watch. Key being Covington being healthy. They really need that guy to be next to cap.
2: Well, and a key to the transformation as Wolves fans have been waiting and waiting and waiting. You get a taste. ousted in five by the Rockets, and now you're back to square one again getting back to square one is really putting yourself in a position where you either have movable or non-toxic contracts. And what's the biggest frustration that you've talked about with PA 9 to noon uh, we. is is the nature of Wiggins, you know, to a lesser extent, Gorgie. I mean, this is also a franchise, by the way, that paid uh, Nikola Pekovic for about three years at 12 apiece for a guy whose feet just, God bless him they weren't going to give it to him. And so the opportunity for them to uh potentially open up a max slot. You know, they they move on from Tyus, we'll miss Tyus, hometown kid, but their opportunities starting in twenty twenty are really starting to blossom a bit.
7: They are and I know Gerson Rosa's tried to move Wiggy, but if if you've been paying attention to what's going on in the NBA, uh Alan Crabb was on the nets. They traded him. They had to give up like two number ones. Yeah. His Chris contract was not nearly as bad as Wiggy's. Uh Westbrook to move Westbrook, I mean to move uh uh to to uh, move uh uh, the, the Rockets to move uh, Chris Paul. Chris Paul, yeah. They gave up two or three number ones. Yeah. Chris Paul's contract's not as bad as Wiggy's. It's a little bit more money, but he's a much better player than Wiggy. So I think Gerson Rosas dipped his toe in the pool, and I think if he had gotten D'Angelo Russell, he would have given up those two first-round picks because he would have thought, we got our superstar, in a or who he thinks is going to be a superstar anyway. I I have no idea whether D'Angelo Russell is going to be a superstar, but but Gerson Rosas thought he was. So he would have been, I think the Wiggy, I think if if they had gotten if Rosas, excuse me, if, if D'Angelo Russell had agreed to come here, I think Wiggy would have, I'm just guessing, would have been part of the trade and Rosas would have given up two or three first round picks to get rid of him. Once we didn't get Russell, I think Rosas is thinking, well, now I don't want to give up my first or second round pick because now we don't have that second star. If we had who I perceive to be the budding second star, I'd do it. So now he's saying, we're going to wait because the price will go down every year. You know, next year there's only going to be three years left on the deal. The next That's year there'll the be key. only two. Now the key is, please. Please, Ryan Saunders and Prignoni, the other coach. You can't play Wiggy thirty-eight minutes a game. Oh, you can't do it. Don't do that. If you play him twenty to twenty-five minutes a game, just to keep him in the mix, fine. But don't play him thirty-eight minutes a game. I don't think they will.
2: You can't. You can't shut him down though, because if you're going to no, try you can't and trade shut him, him down. next summer,
7: but that's that's the interesting thing. 20, about- 20 to twenty-five minutes a game, yeah. and, and and if he gets going, like he'll, you know once every ten game he gets hot, then you run him.
2: Basically every time they play OKC, <laughs> he'll uh, he'll go for thirty-five right. in a game winner. It's it's always been intriguing to me. Uh at S Corzo sixty on Twitter, by the way, Corzo in studio with me. Nordo, um, the NBA and and how it operates contractually, where you know, you look at the Knicks and they they add some mid level guys, Julius Randall and and Taj is now in, yep. in at Madison Square Garden. But the concept of being almost a salary basin for bad contracts. Yes, it is. And it tells you a lot about just how awful the Andrew Wiggins contract is that the Timberwolves, among all the teams that they had an opportunity to get on the phone with, nobody wanted to be a salary basin for that, that four year albatross.
7: That's right. You know, it was, it's, it's, there was a great t- Twitter, you know, people's Twitter is a cesspool and there's all that going on, but sometimes people on Twitter are very funny. And I saw the one where they took this old face recognition thing, which mm-hmm. I really don't get. I'm one. I'm already fifty nine. I really don't need yeah. to see how I look older. But sure. somebody did that to Wiggy's face. Yeah. And did you see that tweet? They do it to Wiggy's face, and they said, "Uh, Wiggy, seventy year old Wiggy, but he's still young, and he's going to turn it around." I mean, that is the that encapsulates the, the Wiggy thing. You know <laughs> that that uh, the time to decide on Wiggy, you know, was was in the end of his third year when I had made my decision, and if I was there, they wouldn't have had him. But but many people. That's when they made the decision. And by the way, just as an aside to Miguel Sano, uh, little left turn there. I'm good he, with that. He, he says a lot of Wiggy in him too. He's he's far more productive than Wiggy ever has been. I mean, he's, even this year, his OPS is in the 800s. He's productive. Yeah. But I don't know that I would ever want to give him a big contract. Yeah. I, I. But you don't have to make that decision yet. So you hang with him, right? Right. But when it comes time to you got you got to give him a big contract. I. I have not seen enough from Miguel Sano to give him a big contract. Now, two years from now, maybe I will, but but right now I haven't. But the beauty of that is they don't have to make that decision now.
2: So decisions that they have to make, a show that loves countdowns, 9 to noon, we're big into countdowns. It's eight days until Vikings training camp, yeah. and it is 13 days until the Major League Baseball trading deadline. And if you are cool with them passing on Kimbrell, cool with them passing on Keuchel, that's all good. None of that matters anymore. Now if you need somebody, you got to provide an asset in return. And this is this is an opportunity for a team that historically has never shown itself to be aggressive or going for the gusto to maybe add and bolster and sure Trevor May not as bad as he's looked recently Matt McGill might be as bad as we saw yesterday uh, but outside of Taylor Rogers bolstering that bullpen maybe adding a starter to the mix to push some guys. Uh, how do you see this thing shaping yeah. out over the next uh, week and change?
7: It, it is fascinating to me because, you know, Roycey wrote a column today talking about it when the Twins were all crazy about getting Matt Caps. Back in 2010, they gave up Wilson Ramos, who, by the way, is still playing Major League Baseball and is catching what for the, uh, I think the Twins just, was it, was it the Mets? I don't know. But I think it was, was the Mets or Cleveland. One of, not Cleveland, but, but anyway, Wilson Ramos is still playing. Yes. Not a superstar, but went to the All-Star game a couple times. The most famous one is John Smoltz. John Smoltz was in the Detroit Tigers farm system. This is before your time, Nordo, 1987. What? 1987. The Tigers were battling the Blue Jays for the Eastern Division title, and they They both won over 100 games. Your little Minnesota Twins in the Western Division won 85 games, and what happened? They ended up beating the Tigers and won the World Series. But the Tigers traded John Smoltz for a pitcher named Doyle Alexander. Now, Doyle Alexander was a really good older starter, and the Twins could never beat Doyle Alexander. But they got him for the pennant drive. They beat the Blue Jays. The twins in the first two games of that series beat Jack Morris, who the Twins never beat, and Doyle Alexander, who they never beat, and went on to win the World Series. Well, the point is the Tigers went for it, great trade, but they gave up John Smoltz, yes. who then, you know, to close the book four years later was was dueling Jack Morris Correct. in the World Series. So when you give up an Alex Kirilov, or you give up a Royce Lewis, or you give up this Gasserol pitcher, or you give Bruce up a Rise. Yeah, yeah Gadderall. You know, you're taking a risk that this guy could become a superstar. But I'm of the belief the Twins haven't been a serious contender since 2010. They haven't been in the World Series in almost 30 years. You have to go for it. You and your chances are it won't work because you, you, even if they make the playoffs, there's 10 teams in the playoffs, and you know we've seen the Twins warts. But to not go for it would be criminal. And I would I would definitely pay the price to get a really good closer and a really good start. I'm going to give up. Would I give up one of those guys? Two of those guys? None of those guys? I don't know. That's the decision Falvey and Levine have to make, but. I think when you have an opportunity to go for it. The window is open. It is. I mean, this team has been so great. Yeah, they've struggled the last six, eight weeks. That happens to every team. The Astros won, lost 10 in a row earlier this year. The Yankees were horrible at the start of the year. Cleveland was horrible. These teams are going to go through other stretches. And the Twins will come out of this because I like their team. But you've got to go for it. And I would be shocked, shocked, if uh, Favi levine don't at least add, I'm going to say they add two to three pitchers for sure by the trade deadline. And they're going to spend. They're going to do it. We saw them last year be very decisive when they unloaded guys. Now I think they're going to be just as aggressive in adding guys. I think they're going to go for it, and I think you have to, even though it might burn you later. I don't know. What do you think? I think you got to go for it. It's all about trying to win a championship, and you don't have very many opportunities.
2: I look at this. I've likened it to the the window that the Royals had. Now the Royals went too far on the back
7: end where they started
2: making some trades, and after winning the World Series started shedding so much of that elite bullpen and other things where now they're back at the bottom.
7: But they but, went to two World Series and won one of them, right? Did they is, win one? Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did.
2: This is not the Yankees, okay, where um, the TV deal and then the cash and printing money and the Bronx and, and the history, the window is now. Yep. Swing for the freaking fences.
7: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for hanging out. With I, me I'm Ann Thanks.
2: That's Scott Korzanowski. You can hear him. Uh, when are you next on the radio? It sounds like it might actually
7: be Saturday. It might be. You know, we, The boss came in and said maybe I could squeeze it in before my Saturday morning tea time fill in for uh, to-go. Trent, my man Trent, my Trent favorite Ducks. gopher basketball player of all time, was Double a freshman T. at the U when I was a freshman at the U. I feel like I know him, and I <laughs> did fill in once for uh, for, for uh, Davey. Uh, so I could be on Saturday, but Sunday, 8 to 9.
2: All right, beautiful. Scott Korzanowski, at SCorzo60 on Twitter. Final segment, Nordo in for PA. Now you are listening to The Fan.
4: Eric Nordquist, filling in for P.A.
9: Ash Rules.
1: The-
2: oh, yeah. My ambitions is a rider. Song, Banks. 9 to Noon final segment. Big thanks, not only to Scott Korzanowski, but Ben Lieber. Kendra D. St. Aubin, Fox Sports North. Loon's coverage. Six-time All-Star, two-time title winner Sylvia Fowles of the Minnesota Lynx joining me as well. A couple of things I want to note this evening for Fan On Demand. Instead of FOD, I'm going to be playing a couple of interviews. Justin Gard. And Mike Grimm, voice of the Gophers, are actually in Chicago for the Big Ten Media Days. And so uh, you're going to hear from uh, keynote speaker Casey O'Brien and Mo Ibrahim tonight. And you can catch that for Gophers football coverage uh, at 6.30 p.m. on these airwaves. And then tomorrow there's a 7 to 8 p.m. show featuring J.G. and Grimm. And that'll cover, wow, you get P.J. Fleck, Carter Coughlin, big year coming for him, and another big year wide receiver Tyler Johnson. You'll get to hear that again 6.30 to 7 tonight, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. tomorrow night, a little Friday night Gophers feast right here on your home for Gophers football, the fan. Uh, you heard Tupac in the open, and of course, thanks, Joe Pervich, for, uh, for producing the show today. Um, this, this troubles me, and it might be a political conspiracy, and I'm worried about it. The Iowa Department of Human Services It provides services to the poor, children, senior citizens, people with mental illnesses, maybe their addictions or disabilities. I'm sure the state of Minnesota has a Department of Human Services as well. We're looking down to our, our beautiful neighbors to the south, though, Iowa, because there's a gentleman by the name of Jerry Foxhoven. He's a retired law professor and was appointed to head up the Iowa Department for Human Services, we'll say the Iowa DHS, this particular agency, in 2017. He was resigned. He resigned, excuse me, I believe, last month. And there's speculation that it was revolving around his adoration, his respect, his love, his sharing of the good word as it was spoken by Tupac Shakur.
3: Above average at that.
2: This via the Associated Press. We appreciate the AP and the deep diving work that they do. The sixty-six-year-old public servant, the aforementioned Foxhoven, during his time heading up the Iowa DHS. Held weekly Tupac Fridays. How sweet is that? Oh my Weekly Tupac Fridays, listening sessions in the DHS office. He celebrated his 65th birthday with cookies in the office that depicted Tupac's face, and on at least a few of them, the phrase, thug life. And upon his resignation, we found the release of 350 pages worth of emails, to his DHS colleagues invoking the late rapper and his lyrics his final email email as a matter of fact as director he sent it to his 4300 colleagues at the DHS reminded leaders that not only was the upcoming sunday fathers day which is important congrats you know one day a year where you just get to appreciate dads out there everywhere but it was also Tupac's birthday, oh! and he included a lyric, pay no mind to those who talk behind your back. It simply means you are two steps ahead. Ooh! Tupac. Foxoven's enthusiasm was not universally shared in the workplace. At least one employee complained to <laughs> legislators about his obsession. But another... Her name was given. Lisa Bender actually praised him in an email for sharing these lyrics, quote unquote, despite the haters. Foxhoven said he was going to hang in there despite all the naysayers. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds was the one who actually asked Foxhoven to resign on June 17th. It was the first workday after sending out that mass email I just mentioned regarding Tupac's birthday. The biggest question, however, is, whether or not Foxhoven's abrupt departure had anything to do with this email in particular or just his fixation on Tupac in general. It remains, quote-unquote, unclear. This is per the Associated Press. As the governor has said, a lot of factors contributed to the resignation of Jerry Foxhoven, and now Governor Reynolds is looking forward to taking the DHS in a new direction. This is spokesperson Pat Garrett. Governor's office has refused to elaborate on those factors, despite an Iowa law that requires state agencies to release the documented reasons and rationale when employees resign instead of being terminated. So, you're either fired for cause, stealing paper, inappropriate use of the stapler, or if you're asked to resign, at least tell us why. Foxhoven's ouster Came amid multiple controversies involving the agency, by the way, which has nearly a $7 billion annual budget. So, big Tupac fan, and he's in, he's in charge of a lot of the taxpayers' cash down in Iowa. Thug life. The problem with the DHS at the time include difficult contract negotiations, some controversies, difficult contract negotiations with managed care companies that run the Medicaid program. I I assume that's just an ongoing existential battle at all times, regardless of situations. A trial detailing alleged mistreatment of boys at a state juvenile home. That's a problem. And an uptick in deaths at a center for the disabled. Still, according to those with knowledge of the situation and atmosphere at the DHS, believed that Foxhoven's job had not appeared to be in danger. (laughs) This for, <laughs> so, maybe Governor Reynolds just isn't a fan of Tupac. Oh, oh my gosh.
3: Oh. Can you oh. Above, average. above average at that.
2: More from the AP. Let me see here. It notes that uh, he was also a massive fan of rock and jazz. And the question is, was he fired in good faith or asked to resign because of his love for Tupac? The state of Iowa, inquiring minds, social media, the entire country waiting with bated breath because we demand answers. It is Ben Lieber who hosts 9 to noon tomorrow. It is a Friday football feast. We're going heavy, a week in front of Minnesota Vikings training camp with at least Mike Florio on the show, 935. It'll be Reggie Bush, running back Reggie Bush, we will be on the show around 11. Justin Katsimius will be in studio at around 10 on the college side of things. Uh, Again, thanks again to Lieber, Corzo, Kendra D. St. Aubin, Sylvia Fowles, Joe Perovic, and most of all, thank you to you for tuning into The Fan on a beautiful Thursday. Have a great afternoon. It is the common man. The program is next right here on The Fan.
4: Today's Paul Allen Show or listen back to previous show and interviews by going to the iHeartRadio app or KFAN.com.
0: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming.